Welcome to the second special DLC E3 Spectacular. It's the second day of press conferences. These are special episodes. Last night, we covered Microsoft and we covered... Uh, what did we else did we cover? There was EA. A, EA. Yeah. Bethesda. It was a blur. We recorded late into the evening with Sharif Jackson as our special guest. It was a blast. These are special episodes of the DLC podcast. This episode sponsored by Squarespace, Squarespace, and uh, I'm excited. It's late again. I just got home from the Sony press conference. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, DLC is going to stand for discussing a lot of conferences. Uh, we have an awesome guest, one of my favorite people online. You know him from the Frog Pants Network, too many podcasts to list. One of the best people, Scott Johnson, joining us oh, again. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you very much. And you're right. There are too many podcasts. I can probably... <laughs> Use a few less, but uh, I'm super glad to be here. I've been following you guys and your exploits while in LA. Been trying to do my, some remote work here, but getting together and talking about it sounds like a blast. Let's yeah, we have and a with lot. That, to get we're going to take a quick intermission. Um, just hang out. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> we're moving rooms, and uh, here's this video to watch. Christian, Christian with a classic skip ahead uh, on the on the topic, uh, referencing something we'll talk about later. We're going to try to do what we did last night, which is step through stuff in order. Today we're gonna we're gonna get a little leaner. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit more. I'm gonna edit more. In fact, I'm gonna edit most of Square Enix, <laughs> which uh, they had evidently a press conference. Uh, they did a Nintendo Direct style uh, press conference where it was all pre recorded, no live audience, no location to go to. I didn't even watch this. I heard uh, it was basically a bunch of repurposed stuff we already saw in the Microsoft press conference. Did you guys? Either of you guys watch this? I did. I watched it. Yeah, I did too. And I was really bummed out about that because a lot of it was repurposed. Usually what will happen is like what happened with Sony tonight. You'd get some kind of, you know, different version of a trailer or something if there was going to be some crossover. But that Square Enix, those trailers were straight up the same exact thing we had in Microsoft and other conferences. It's odd because Square Enix had taken a few years off of doing anything like this. And this was their big return to having their publisher centric moment in the sun. And yet, they basically just repurposed a lot of stuff that had already been in the sun. I guess there were a couple of games that got announced, but they were literally just titles. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we don't there have was, to. There was the Quiet Ones a CG thing. Um, so weird. The Quiet Man, isn't it called Quiet. the Quiet Man? Right. Sorry, I was trying to make it gender neutral. No, I'm just kidding. I just forgot the name of it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the the frustrating thing about it, I know we're trying to edit and whatever. The frustrating thing about it is that Final Fantasy VII Remake is a thing. <laughs> and they have an Avengers game. And it's like, They aren't ready, on. bro. Those aren't ready for prime time. That didn't stop any other conference from showing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, that Avengers game was a super big, huge bummer for me because that's a... Uh you know, spiritual successor to the ultimate Alliance games in a lot of ways, or at least that's the talk. And, um, now, you know, we live in a very different world than we did, but ultimate Alliance was big. We're living in a post MCU rules, the world kind of world. Plus they still have access to, you know, fantastic four and all the X-Men and everything else to put in their video game versions of things. And yeah, that thing could be really special and not even a, a, a peep out of those guys. So 
Big bummer there. Didn't like that. So moving on from Square Enix, uh, everybody seemed pretty disappointed. Uh, but then there was Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft kicked things off uh, with their bizarre Just Dance dance. Uh, that's a thing. Just Dance is still a thing. 2019, more Just Dance. Uh, coming to Wii. Coming to Wii. Because uh, <laughs> people who play Just Dance have Wiis, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cool. Um, high energy start to the show. And then we got straight into Beyond Good and Evil 2. This game continues to baffle me. Really gorgeous full CG trailer, long, awesome. It made me yearn for a Beyond Good and Evil full CG film. I feel like this is these characters and this universe is ample. There's ample stuff for a full feature film version of this. I, I would be into that. Um, but the game itself still feels uh, very, very far away for me, and especially because the messaging that they seem to put front and center for Beyond Good and Evil 2 is help us make it. Uh, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levin, help, help us make it. Um, his company Hit Record, uh, which is a sort of a crowdsourcing um, company, is being employed to help them recruit people in their audience to contribute art and music and assets and all kinds of things. Scott, what did you make of all this? Are you excited for this game? Do you, do you feel like uh, they should be showing it now? What, what's going on here? I don't know. It's, it's really weird because it hasn't really moved out of vaporware status given the fact that it's just every year, okay, here's a new little CG thing. Last year, I remember there was a lot of talk and a lot of stuff surrounding that CG trailer that made it seem like you were going to be that monkey for the whole thing. Like that was the character. And now I'm not so sure who you're controlling most of the time. Maybe it's everybody. Like a lot of that stuff is just so unclear. We don't know a thing about the game and that sort of pre-alpha footage didn't tell me anything other than I really want to play it and I want to live and invest in that world and I want I want it real bad. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, though. You know, this kind of happens at Blizzard, too. Whenever somebody puts out amazing CG work, I just go, man, why are you not... Why isn't this just like a 12-episode commitment at Netflix or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would just... Uh, that's kind of what I'm more interested in here because if it's just another platform or open world, blah, 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 that's fine, and I'm sure it'll find its place and maybe it'll do some unique things, but... I'm way more invested in these characters, that world, this strange mashup of, you know, <laughs> alien, half-human, half-animal weirdness. I never played the first game, so I don't really know what the background is. I know everyone thinks it's one of the great classics of all time, and I, I never played it. I kind of wish I would have. But Very different from this. Very, yeah, very different. Yeah. Seems like it. But it's uh, this thing hits a lot of... You know, scratches a lot of my itches, but the one itch it's not scratching right now is the part where it's a video game, and I just can't tell what it is. Christian, can I make a uh, a Cool Ranch prediction? Ooh, yes. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 never comes out. Oh, man. I hate to be negative Nancy, uh, especially this early in the show. Uh, this just has all the trappings of a project that never gets its footing. And I hate I hate to say that, but that's how it really feels right now. Uh, they're showing bits and pieces. They're evidently we're going to have some sort of hands-on time with a section of the game, like a, the city that they've built. Uh, but they're actively asking people to contribute assets and art and music and stuff. And that's there's a there's a cool idea there about help us make the game, build the game you want, you know, crowdsource it, own it. I think that's a a laudable idea in a lot of ways, but it also reeks of. I don't want to say desperation. I want to say 
uh, unwieldiness that um, ultimately I don't think gives me confidence that it will ever come together. It's the kind of thing where they keep showing bits and bobs until at a certain point they stop showing it and people start asking about it and then years go by and then you find out that they've moved on to something else. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Interesting, Christian Spicer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm playing the role of you. (laughs) I live in a world where The Last Guardian came out and was my favorite game the year it came out. And it not only came out, but I thought it was excellent and told a really awesome story and was a game that only it could be and overcame many of its flaws. Uh, I live in a world where Beyond Good and Evil 2 has already apparently spent $100 million on CG trailers <laughs> or whatever they've spent on these things where I think this game is coming out and I think I'm more optimistic about the hit record stuff than maybe you are where what this is, this is posters. This, these are skins. These are weapon skins. Um, you know, stuff that's being added to Battlegrounds and Fortnite and, um, Team Fortress and that style of game all the time. So you're going to, you know, the audience is going to create a poster that lives in the world or a skin for a vehicle. They're not saying create a vehicle or design a level or they're going to do some music for the game. Like all of this stuff is, is stuff that could or could not be in the game. And I think the core game would, will be, the same regardless. I think it's a cool way for the community to get involved, but I, I doesn't make me fearful for the final product. The thing that only thing that makes me fearful for the final project product, sorry, is the ambition and the scope. I, I think it was kind of meant to be a little, you know, suggestion about how big the game is. They never called it open world. It was open universe. Like they're promising a massive game where you not only go city to space to uh, intergalactic travel to human traveling through space to, or fighting on a ship, like the amount of, um, different levels of scale that they have shown and promised with this game has me a little concerned, but I think, I think they have every intention of this game coming out. I don't think it'll be soon. Oh, I definitely um, think they have the intention, but what I saw, what I saw, and, and I'll, I'll have hands on with this such as it is, uh, this week, and we'll be talking about it in the next episode, I'm sure, with more, with more informed point of view. But what I saw in that trailer, to my, you know, speculative eye was, uh, a bunch of enemies that didn't have any AI on them, uh, a, a pretty janky looking animation system, uh, stuff that looked real kind of, Perky jerky and and very early, which they're being honest about. It's very early, um, but l- literally no audio. Like it isn't. It didn't even have a sound bed. There was like a couple of sound effects of engine noise, but there was. I mean, this game is very very far away, and uh, I, I just think it's a mistake. I mean, they're showing it because they're asking people to participate in the making of it, which doesn't give me a lot of. Uh, confidence that Ubisoft is really sporting the bill for this baby. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to well, be wrong. I think your retort, I think you said this to me yesterday about something. I think it was on Twitter, but the retort to all of those is yeah, but Fortnite. Yeah, but Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. But here, look, here's, uh, this is all I would say about that thing and its potential future. I think it's, I, I think I'm with Jeff a little bit on this because I don't understand a studio. Uh, well, they're not a studio, but a company that owns so many studios with so many assets who can put out, let's say, I don't know, a game that looks just like it's set in ancient Greece yeah. with like perfect detailed armor and locations and 
all the stuff that goes into that Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah, we mapped a continent. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, it's down to the sweat on the guy's chin. Like, it's it's so so detailed, and it's always been. It's one of the great strengths of that series, uh, despite what, you know, any other weaknesses of it. You could always say, man, the historic the attention to detail is incredible in these. Well, if they can do, if they can do that, they can flip the bill for the other thing. I feel like the other thing is them coming every year and going, here's a little movie. Let's see if it still gets a reaction. What do you think guys has got pretty loud in there? I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know that it's the, it doesn't match the MO of Ubisoft, which is normally going about the business of making for honor and far cry and, and games with incredible amounts of, assets detail and and work that's that needs to be done and they're not doing it here i don't get it it's really weird to me i agree 100 with all that yeah and and i like i said i want to be wrong because this game looks really cool the level of ambition looks really cool um and i'm I'm not super comfortable being in the the naysayer seat it's usually christian seat it feels weird i think i think you maybe farted in the seat i don't know something weird (laughs) oh if if i've sat in it i farted (laughs) jeff let me ask you this if they came to you tomorrow and said uh mr canada we have we're making a decision right now and you're going to help you're the pivot on this we're either going to take this and make it into a possible multi-season but at least a 12 episode commitment and make it a cg tv show in the quality you saw yesterday or we're going to make it the video game we're planning on which would you rather have Wow. Um, I, I don't want to break any hearts, but I think that TV show sounds really cool. Same here, dude. Same here. <laughs> I know people have huge love for this game and I totally get it. And I don't want to take that away from them. And I don't think I will. If anyone takes it away, Ubisoft will, but I'd take the TV show video game. I'd rather play and experience that world than watch it. And I think that's true for almost every great TV show. I loved the wire, but imagine an incredible video game that gave you those same feelings. Yeah. I want this game. Sit in a I car and listen it. to the wire. What are, are they saying something? Nope. Still not saying anything. Keep I think playing. they could make a great game out of what the wire, the story it was telling. Press X to do heroin. <laughs> I mean, if that's all it takes, I'd probably be way more likely to do heroin. <laughs> why to be corrupt? <laughs> uh, okay, so then we got a Rainbow Six Siege documentary, which actually looks pretty cool. And yeah. uh, and then uh, yeah, there's your TV show, jerks. Now give me a game. You guys have a TV. <laughs> oh, you know what? Real quick on that, I just wanted to say this about Ubisoft in general. Before I forget, uh, them rolling out with a whole bunch of information about. Um, their, their quote unquote living games that already exist, like Rainbow Six Siege and reaffirming the weight they're putting behind it. And, uh, you know, taking that from kind of a, a, a crummy release, so at least, you know, kind of a rough launch of that game to what is by all accounts, uh, some of the most fun people are having in shooters right now. Uh, I, I like that commitment from Ubisoft and I kind of feel it across the board, even Wildlands, which they didn't talk about at all in the conference has had incredible uh, amounts of stuff added to it. For Honor's another example, rough launch, stuck with it, kept working on it, kept polishing it, and now by all accounts, that is really right where it should be. I like that about Ubisoft. It makes me trust them. Yeah. And it, it, if if anything, I should be applying that trust to Beyond Good and Evil, and maybe I'm having a hard time doing that. To me, there's a disconnect there. But in every other way, I I kind of trust them to do something weird and then feel like, well, if it doesn't work out at first, they they've already shown they're willing to to hang on and make sure that you know we end up getting what we wanted to get and they and they don't just dump it it's not just vapor it's not just you know you're i, I hate to throw ea under the bus because i know this is the stereotype but you know if it doesn't work out they just sort of shove it to the side and work on the next thing ubisoft is showing at least 
two or three examples where they're they're willing to stick with you in the long haul. And I really, really like that. They also are the company that makes me feel, you know, I, I cover video games for a living. I play almost everything. But there's these massive communities for these games, and I'm like, I've never touched that game. <laughs> you know, the 35 million people playing <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege, I'm like, I don't even, I haven't played that. I, For Honor is a you know, huge community. I don't play that. It's, uh, it makes me feel so disconnected to these giant communities. And I think that's an example of, of how big and broad the video game hobby has become. Uh, sure. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And six uh, siege is really good, by the way. Now, and I'm I don't play it that often, but enough time in there to know that they're they're doing some cool stuff. I mean, they're, really, they're going after the throats of like, um, you know, Counter Strike, and it's sort of yeah. stranglehold on realistic weapons, combat, right. esport, whatever. But I think they're doing it. I think they're actually pulling it off, and it's sort of impressive. So then we got uh, Trials Rising. I thought that was a kind of a charming uh, Super Dave Osborne type entrance with the little motorcycle and smashing the the box. I, I I'm a sucker for all that theatricality. Uh, but Trials is a is a much beloved franchise by a lot of people, and this one looks to be much more multiplayer centric. Um, are you into a new Trials, Scott? Yeah, I think so. I like Trials games. They're fun uh, fun to pick up and play, but also super hard to master, and I I like that. Um, Kids are way into those those games. They still play Fusion and some of the other older titles. So I was all into that. I also liked the presentation, I think mostly because he's Finnish and had a rad Finnish accent. Yeah, yeah. Charming as all hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get over that dude. He was my favorite thing in the whole show. Yeah, but... he was he was just so into it and and completely without any uh you know shame or he was just like, I am who I am. Let's do this. It was great. Yeah. It was great. The only problem with trials was trials is one of those games that created an avalanche of crappy mobile things that look mm. like trials yeah and sometimes i feel bad about that it's like bejeweled look what bejeweled hath wrath hath wrought in the yeah. world and it's not their fault but it's you know you always see this sort of tip of the iceberg and and trials is one of those things but if i can push that out of my mind it's fine more trials is good seems like a perfect game for switch and the fact that it's coming to switch i think is a, is a cool thing totally agree um, yeah. Then uh, we got, uh, uh, for me, a contender for Game of the Show. I'm very excited to get my hands on The Division 2. Um, I was a huge fan of The Division. This game looks really, really cool. I like how different it, it looks, at least at this point from the first game. I was really worried it was going to feel like just an expansion, and it really does seem to indicate a uh, much bigger step forward than than merely just an expansion and they mentioned uh, there's going to be episodes and lots of content and a a fresh look at end game where you have uh four new classes that sort of open up after you finish the main campaign and add new perks and new ways to play the game i love all that no mention of a dark zone if there is one that was a big part of the first division of course um no mention of of how the end game is actually going to work if there's going to be PvP. I hope that the this franchise moves more into PvE. I think that's where it shines best. But my goodness, it looks really pretty. It looks really exciting. Thought it was a little odd that the Xbox conference seemed to have the more focused gameplay gameplay trailer, and this had the more broad CG trailer and then sort of broad in engine trailer. It seemed like that would be the thing you would give to the platform holder and you'd keep the the gameplay trailer but other than that I'm into this game and I'm I'm very excited that it's coming back. I am I'm super excited for The Division 2. 
Uh, yeah, and I think raids is a big thing for it. You know, yeah, like, you get yeah. their commitment to in-game content, and if they're able to do raids and do them well, and as Scott mentioned, you know, Ubisoft has shown this commitment to post-launch support, and if they're able to do it and get incredible raids out at somewhat somewhat of a regular interval, I think will be will be huge for that game. Um, I'm I'm curious. It's the same thing. It, it, the biggest question for me still is still the loot um unlockable progression and it looks like there's a lot of stuff in the game but whether or not you feel cool and different having it is the question that's yet to be remained <laughs> the question that's yet to be remained blah <laughs> um the question that yet remains but i do think they've shown a diversity in environments which is really cool and they they double down on that in this trailer and their press conference as well with like yeah we're in a city but Look how different the city can look. You know, yeah, I mean, it was, when that first game came out, everybody was, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people are critical saying, oh, well, this is just their attempt at destiny. And, and yeah, they're going for urban environments and all that. But really, what are we talking about? It's, you know, you and three of your friends doing destiny style things in a different environment. And maybe some of that criticism was accurate. I don't know. But I feel like what they showed of this sequel feels like they are doing right by the by the game and how it's progressing and iterating versus what destiny two did, which was really just, it's just destiny again. Like destiny two didn't really move the bar very, very much in either direction or any direction. And this feels like it is like these classes and subclasses you get later bosses being more than just bullet sponges uh, in some of this stuff, Uh, you know, blowing those weird foam grenades out from under the feet of your, of your party is really cool. Like I'm, I'm also excited about that game. I'm I'm super jazzed about it. That's yeah, great. I think I think Ubisoft might have, and I'm probably wrong, but my gut is that they have one of the best track records of going from part one to part two in their games, at least of recent last gen and this gen, where it seems like they really learn from the first version of a game and then make the sequel everything you want it to be. And I think that kind of started with Assassin's Creed, and you're seeing it with The Division and um watchdogs and you've just seen them really learn from their prior entries and franchises and improve upon them which is pretty oh my rad watchdogs 2 is so much better than one like it was markedly better so i i hope that that's right i think i and whatever like freaking tom clancy if we could go wake him up in his grave and go dude just look at all this, all this rad stuff coming out of the game site. <laughs> no splinter cell though, you jerk. <laughs> I know. I was so surprised they didn't announce that. It was crazy. I thought they would. One of the things you brought up, Scott, which I think it, for me is a big theme of the entire E3 press conference in total, all of the, all of the shows at this point of the entire show is this sort of destinyification of the industry. I think a lot of these games are chasing that thing that destiny has, which is persistent, perpetual, uh, update the game. It's game as service. It's, um, you know, infinite loot grind, infinite progression, lots of things, raids, you know, uh, the way that game keeps players engaged over a long period of time and is multiplayer focused, PVE and PVP. I feel like that classification of game, whatever, whatever we're calling that, you know, a mobile light or looter shooter or whatever your term du jour is, it feels like we're getting a lot of those. I mean, Fallout is turning into that for, for yeah, totally, totally. So, I mean, yeah. I was thrilled to hear that Fallout 76 is also going to be, you know, I can go and do all the solo I want, which I need in those games. But 
uh, yeah, they, no, they're making it a service. I mean, this idea of games as a service is, is fascinating. It's, you know, likely what we'll expect out of Diablo four, if it gets announced, like I think it will later this year and yeah, things like that. Like this is the future. This is the way things are moving forward. And Ubisoft has definitely got, you know, leadership here. I, I really feel strongly about their ability to, to kind of show the way. And they, they seem to be like Christian suggests learning from their mistakes and doing it quickly. And, iterating quickly and 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 also backing up what they'd launch and not just dropping it like a hot rock it's it's really good to see they're a weird they're such a weird company very and french I did, I, I did this time feel like a not a jubilation but like a relief a sense of relief on everybody's face because last year if you remember the vivendi thing was still hovering over these guys yeah in a way that looked real dire and they kind of had to keep the best face on it they could this year it just seemed like everybody was like full of helium and ready to roll and not just dancing, dancing clowns, but you know, the executives just seem like, ah, okay, we're good. We got yeah. this. Let's go. It's uh, they're fascinating to me. And then we got a uh, concert for Donkey Kong. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. I'm into it. Uh, and then skull and bones uh, showed much more gameplay uh, of that game, which uh, looks to me a lot like, you know, serious face sea of thieves um, with maybe, perhaps more robust ship-to-ship combat. This is not a game I am interested in at all. Uh, as much as I think pirates are cool, I there's something about seafaring combat that ju- it, it's, it's totally a me thing, not a them thing. There is no part of sea combat that I find to be interesting. Uh, I find it uh, just something I'm not wanting to do. Let me, but, let me see if I can sell you on something. This is gonna try, I'm just going to try this. Yeah. Because I'm really excited about Skull and Bones for one main reason. And I wasn't excited about and, and ended up playing and didn't end up liking Sea of Thieves for this very same reason. Sea of Thieves is I'm a crew member on a ship with a bunch of other people. Right. Uh, Skull and Bones is I am the ship. Yeah, yeah. This is me. I'm the player. There's nobody here having to man the guns. There's nobody here having to steer and somebody downstairs stoking the fires or whatever. It's just me and my big ship kind of Black Flag style. And that I am super into as a, as a mode of battle. Like I love that idea. And then when multiplayer is involved, they're their own ship too. And if we're allies, then we're co-oping as ships, not people on the same ship. That makes a huge difference for me for some reason. So I say to you, maybe that's the trick that just remember that you are the enterprise, not right. just uh, ends in yo-yo down in the, down in the teleportation. Yeah. You get the whole ship to yourself and you get to determine everything it does. Did I help at all? Or is it still no, but I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I do think that is a big differentiator and I do think that is, that is cool in, in a, in a way. I just, there's something about like the way ships have to fight that I find to be, really uninteresting <laughs> but that's like i said it's a weird personal taste thing that i have that i'm just like that doesn't look fun to me where you have to sort of go alongside something and shoot all your guns and then you know here it comes here it comes there it comes there it goes there it goes there it goes you know that that kind of thing um but you know that's totally on me that description here it comes here it comes there it goes there it goes that's yeah <laughs> right about that compels me and i don't know why and it's the same thing that doesn't compel you that's a weird it's a weird thing. I hope I hope they do good with it. I mean, I think they're banking on the idea that people remember Black Flag and the ship combat and and basically are thinking they're going to get an advanced version of this, which is probably true. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the minority. Uh, Christian, what do you think? I'm super curious how much off-ship 
stuff there is? If it's just going back to your base to do dress up or is there mini Assassin's Creed? <laughs> you know, like it looks like Assassin's Creed Odyssey has mini skull and bones. And does this have mini Odyssey in it? Like you can run around the island and parkour and do stuff or is it just strictly, you know, you're on your boat doing boat stuff. And I think what looks, well, one, I thought, okay, backing all the way up, I think Ubisoft does the best motion graphics work and video game trailers and some of the best trailers year after year after year. They're all gorgeous and just well-timed and just awesome. And I think Skull and Bones was no exception to that. This game looked stunning. And what I find captivating about this big ship combat is that there's a lot of um, strategy that maybe goes into it. And like I think I, I'm... I understand your point, Jeff, about there it is, there it is, there it is, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. But those moments that become so high stress leading up into, it's like, there it is, there it is, there it is, crap, 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 okay, 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 okay. Now we're going to do this, going to do this. And it's not like unreal where you're just running in somewhere like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> well, I'm dead. Uh, and like real quick, it's like, there's this build up. Hopefully your angle's right. If it's not, oh crap, you know, you're, you're, you're paying for that mistake later. And I think depending on how many ships they have, at a time, it could make that kind of strategy really interesting. And I, I love, I love the idea of using an island as cover. Like, that's so awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what they have to make sure they do here, and this is where they could really screw this up, and I don't think they're going to, but they can't make this a sim. It cannot be a big boat sim. If it's that, it's a mistake. It surely doesn't not, look like that, though. It looks, uh, it looks like a very arcadey game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is key. It's really important. And they've gone, you know, aesthetically, it looks insane, like just beautiful yeah. and, and, and pirate town to look. It's just pirates everywhere, and it's how it's supposed to be. But as long as that thing feels like you've got control and there's some of that, oh, that in space, I also love that. And it's kind of the same problem. You know, big frigates sort of, I don't mean little fighters like Star Wars fighters, but like big, huge frigates moving around kind of Battlestar Galactic style are you know, hard to steer and slow to get around and turn to port. Oh no. Okay. That's going to take thrusters. And like, I don't know why I like that, but I do, but only when I control it, I can't have five idiots with me who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but see, I, I like that in bridge crew, Star Trek bridge crew. Like that was, I was all over that when it was, it was like, everybody has to do their role and we all have to, that's when I can do this kind of combat because it, it, it doesn't feel the same uh, you know, here it comes, here it comes, there it goes. It, it's more like I got to worry about my specific thing. And it's more, it's more a, a board game, really. It's more like this cooperative board game where we ha all have our own role. And I'm into that, but, uh, but I think that's a different thing for sure. Um, then we got uh, Elijah Wood on stage talking about transference, uh, which is another theme, uh, a theme I am, you know, I am, I'm admitting is a theme and not, not one I'm super excited about, although maybe it could be a silver lining to, to, to a potential cloud. Uh, and that is, uh, it really seems like all of the VR games or most of the VR games that have been discussed at the show are, and also in VR. Uh, it is a VR games that you can also play, as they said in this particular presentation, on traditional platforms. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's interesting and, and certainly points to the fact that it's hard for these VR games to make their money back if they're just strictly VR. Transference last year was only VR, and now it sounds like it and several other games will be uh, also be able to play them in 2D. 
I love VR. I'm excited about this game in a sense, but I just, I don't need another horror VR in particular. I, that's, that's not something I'm super excited for, but me going either. Although I do, I do like the tendency for these games to offer both experiences. Like I really liked RE7. I'm so glad it offered something other than a VR. I couldn't handle that game. Yeah. <laughs> Scared the hell out of me, but I, but I was glad that I could do it both ways. So I, I like that uh, part of this. I kind of, I don't know. Part of me is like, well, are you ever going to really get a special VR experience that isn't 100% dedicated to, to the medium of VR? Yeah. Maybe not. Um, so I know there's, I know there's, there's some conversation we had there that's probably not for this show, but, but, but yeah, like I don't need another horror game. I'm good on those. I have plenty. All right. And then after transference, uh, we got a, a game that is, I, I just have a soft spot in my heart for it. ever since last year when I saw it. Uh, at the Ubisoft booth. I know that Toys to Life is kind of a, a a dying, if not already dead, genre. But Starlink looks really fun and really cool. It seems even more this year like they're positioning it also as a cartoon, potentially. Like, it looks like it's, it's ready to be a cartoon. Um, aimed squarely at kids. It's a toy you attach to your controller or your console in some way. You can add these modular bits and bobs to it to add cool new weaponry or shields. And you do that all dynamically in the game. But also, it looks like they're making a really big open-world space sci-fi game. I'm into this. I, I dig Starlink. And, and the big announcement, of course, was that Star Fox will also be a part of the game, which is an odd pairing, but seemed to go over huge in the room. What did you guys think, Scott? What did you think about Star Fox and Starlink? Well, all right. So here's my thinking. From a corporate standpoint, I think those guys are uh, talking all the time about Toys to Life and that it is kind of a dying breed. What are you going to do? Like, there's nothing those Toys to Life, uh, nothing this game couldn't do with buttons uh, that they're doing with a with a thing that's attached to a controller. Right. You just easily say, well, okay, I want this one weapon, so let me select that from a menu, and now it's on my ship. So I think it's a hard sale to start with. I think leveraging a relationship they have with Nintendo that was already strong and, and now even stronger because of Mario v. Rabbids and all that, uh, they they leveraged that. And I think it was smart because I don't know any other reason why I'd be motivated to get this. If I was a big star, uh, star Fox fan, I would probably be much more excited about this game than I was previously. So to me, it feels very marketing and that's fine. I say leverage that relationship all you can. It's a good one, but I don't, I don't know this will make things fly off the shelf. Cause I actually don't know too many kids who would be in the demographic. This is mostly aimed for who honestly know a lot about Star Fox because you haven't made a Star Fox game in a long time, Nintendo. It's been a while. Yeah, that's what Tarmina and I were sitting together, and he, he leaned over to me and he said, you know, the, the, this is a game for kids, and then they announced Star Fox, which is like, this is for 30-year-olds. <laughs> that's, yeah, this is you know, dad's, you know, flying yeah. space fox. Yeah. Uh, and Shogun D in the chat, if you came up with this, bravo. He called it No Man's Skylander. <laughs> that's Good. Is that is that an original Shogun D, or did you borrow that from somebody else? He says I did not. <laughs> Fair really? enough. Uh, still very good. No Man Skylander. Christian Starlink. Are you a skeptic? I I wish this game said what was the VR language also in VR. I wish this language yeah. said also Toys to Life because oh. I think the game <laughs> looks fun. I like a light shmup. I'm not above playing a kid's game. But you I saw like... those spaceships in person last year, right? They're really cool. 
They are really cool and they're they're really big and they're all they're doing is adding components to it. Like you're not at least from what they've seen and how I played it, you're not controlling it with, you know, tilt control and stuff like that. You're still you're basically using your controller that is now encumbered with this large ship on top of it. Um and I think more and more the whole game, the Toys to Life idea, <laughs> I think is for 30-year-olds. Um because <laughs> it's what we dreamed about when we were kids. Yeah, I don't think kids today care as much about stuff on their shelf. You know, they have their Fortnite closet with all their digital collectibles and um, um, Snapchat. I'm sounding like an old man, but it's like digital pictures. There's not pictures on a fridge anymore. There aren't toys hanging on the wall. Like there's maybe some still things here or there, but I think they're totally comfortable with just digital versions. But we grew up with these, you know, items on our shelf and we want this, these cool looking ships. Um, I, I hope the game is playable without them, but, uh, yeah, I like Star Fox. This might be the best Star Fox game we get. So yeah, <laughs> good point. I thought of it that way. And we you got the, the only Star Fox game you get for a while. Yeah. Uh, there was some, yeah, well, maybe we get that weird bracer that was rumored oh, tomorrow. Right. I forgot about that. Um, but we got the annual, uh, Eve Gimo, uh, Miyamoto, Love fest, you know those guys. Those guys have a bromance that endures uh, year I'll take after that year. Over Keely Kojima, like in terms of like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, icon bro fest. Like I like both of them, but I'll take uh, I'll take. Uh, <laughs> it was a French weird and Japanese. It was a weird moment in his show where he's like, "Here's the first prototype of the Star Fox ship for Starlink," and you know Miyamoto's like, "Oh, that's cool." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we, let's go backstage and and we'll check it out." And I expected them to like cut to a, a a you know a shot of backstage of them showing it, and they still they just left to go play together, yeah. never to be heard from again. That's why. Uh, my favorite part of that is that I have a feeling that Miyamoto has probably <laughs> a 900 pound version of this hanging off a giant ceiling in his mansion. And I mean. <laughs> Like I, I, I just yeah. can't imagine how this was a big deal for him. But <laughs> right, it was fun and cute, and those guys cracked me up. Yeah, that's how I met my wife. I was like, "Hey, look, I got you this thing. Now come backstage and hang out for a while." <laughs> and then she was never seen again. But she's happy, guys. She's happy. Oh no, no we good. believe you. I believe you. Uh, we already <laughs> talked a little bit about For Honor, but they announced Marching Fire, which is a new expansion for that game. Um, and then the Crew Two. Uh, showed yet more trailer of its weird mashup of all the different racing types. Um, I expected that game to be out by now, and it it, it isn't. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm still skeptical that they can pull off all of those soon. things. It it hasn't been. Del- I mean, it's it's this summer. It's like a couple of weeks. It's it's yeah. on Is track. It soon? Yeah, not too far off. It looks. Yeah. Um, I mean. I mean, here's hoping Christian's the theory about how they do stuff with their second iteration it holds true here. This would be. I would love it if this game lived up to its potential because the crew one did not. It was okay. It was all right, but it didn't do what they said they were going to do. There were better racers to be had. I think that thing looks nuts and I want to totally play it. So if they can pull that off somehow, then I'm all in. They kind of did it with their slope. It's not slope. What's the snows? Steep. 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 Yeah. Some dumb name like steep. Um, anyway, that game's way better than it should be. And it's all kinds of different vehicles as well. It's like, you know, you're flying squirrel stuff. You got skis, you got um, uh, snowboards, like everything. And this looks like a, a broader version of that. And I'm into it. So I am actually, I'm, I'm more excited about that than I thought I would be after that, after that bit. Cool. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and then the big end of the show game 
which I think would have been really impactful had Walmart Canada not ruined this E3. That's another takeaway. No, this Walmart one wasn't Walmart. This wasn't Walmart. It was. They this said was another... a keychain. Are you sure? Because I thought Walmart Canada said oh, another man. Assassin's Creed. Yes, Walmart had Assassin's Creed, but everybody kind of speculated it was DLC because of the longevity that Ubisoft is giving their franchises. And then the next thing that posted was like a keychain of like a Spartan helmet, and it said like the next Assassin's Creed game is Odyssey or something oh, like that. Man. Anyway, that would have been a cool. I think it would have been a cool end of show, mic drop kind of moment. Um, either way, they showed Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Which is, of course, what we all expected it to be. Ancient Greece this time. Big, sprawling world. Two protagonists, uh, a male and a female. You're not switching back and forth. You pick one at the start and the game is completely different. On, well, not completely different, but you know, you, you play through the entire game as that protagonist. Uh, I think that's pretty neat that they're allowing a female protagonist. Lots of uh, 300-inspired stuff. Uh, you know, Kicking This Is Sparta style as like a major move. My big takeaway from this Assassin's Creed Odyssey announcement is if you asked me to list all of the things that make Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed, I would say stealth, uh, a wrist knife that pops out, uh, jumping from a high point into a hay bale, uh, a hood, that iconic hood, uh, maybe an animus type thing. None of those things were present in any of the stuff we saw for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Not one of those iconic Assassin's Creed things, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think this is a really wonderful progression. I'm not saying those things aren't going to be in the game. They may very well be in the game. Uh, you know, jumping off of hay, into hay bales is in Origins. But the fact that they're not using that as the identity for Assassin's Creed in the marketing and showing the game for the first time, I think points to them really moving forward and it's the witcherification of of the the uh, Assassin's Creed franchise, which, for my money, is a huge plus, a very good thing. And I cannot wait to play this game. As much as fun as I had with Odyssey, excuse me, uh, Origins, I think uh, Ancient Greece is, it looks even more fun and more interesting. I am down for this game. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, I loved Origins and the direction it started to go. I liked the the witcherification of things as you put it it's a great way to put it um that's even more so this time obviously with like dialogue choices and all that stuff so yeah but it was already becoming more of an rpg in the last iteration it seems like they're leaning into that i am 1000 percent okay with them just distancing themselves 100 percent away from the animus they don't need it you don't need it to tell the story the idea that this threads through history is enough uh, you don't need it. You just don't. It's discordant and weird, and we don't need it anymore. So I'm 100% fine with that. Who knows if it'll show up in there or not? I don't know. But the uh, uh, the the hood is my biggest complaint, and I don't know how else they do it because I totally get it. Plus, you got helmet gear now. Yeah. And you're gonna upgrade that gear all the time. It's kind of Diablo-ish that way, and uh, I'm into that. So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I'm gonna miss it, and I'm sure there'll be cosplay and and you know sets that you'll have like you do in the other games where. You can bring a lot of that back. Hell, you'll look like Ezio if you want to at some point. But um, that game looked really good. And yeah, they, but they, 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 I mean, there wasn't even much. any. There weren't even any assassinations in the trailer that we saw. No, I mean, it was no, all no, like no, straight no. up like action RPG combat. It wasn't like I mean, they didn't even attempt an assassination. Yeah, nice creed you got there. You didn't even get an assassination. <laughs> right. Off. But but yeah, like it's it's definitely yeah. It, 
Yeah, I got a real vibe from that. Like, all right, well, this is the new. This is where we're going to go for the next bunch of years, everybody. I'm still a little surprised they're doing it year after year after what they they gained from giving themselves a, a year uh, between. Um, I forgot the British one. What it was yeah. called? Uh, it's just a syndicate between syndicate and origins. I thought, well, that's a nice little padding. Maybe they'll do that again. And I think a lot of people thought they were going to do that. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing because uh, that game looks great, but it, you know, it's a little, it's a little weird to go back to that. I, I guess we'll see if it backfires on them. Cause in the past they've, they've kind of eaten, eaten their, uh, their, they got, they had, they've had their, they had to eat dirt before. Yeah. On releasing too many Assassin's Creed's too quickly. And let's not even talk about unity. That thing was a huge mess. So, uh, but whatever, this looks great. I'm totally stoked to play it. I feel like it's almost like I got to play. It's like playing Caesar three, but getting to be on the ground, <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, As I was uh, tweeting about the game and stuff, someone, I forget, I apologize to whomever tweeted back to me, but it was the, the idea was paraphrasing who would have thought that I would see an open world RPG where I get to romance characters and have my decisions matter and that would be an Assassin's Creed game and not a Bioware game. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't expressly show that you could partner up with people, but I mean, she was, she was given eyes a lot <laughs> in that trailer <laughs> and all of those conversation um, choices that you had. It certainly appears as if you'll be forging relationships and possibly romances with characters. And yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I guess this means, Jeff, that uh, Origins 2 and Odyssey 2 will be cyberpunk games. Is it? You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. I think that happened. Um, I, the only downside for this game is that it looks like a big, sprawling, you know, 60-hour experience. And it's coming out with, like, a, what, a week difference with uh, Red Dead Redemption 2? I know, dude. It's Origins brutal. had the same problem, right? Yeah, Launching it did. The, the worst week. Yeah. Yeah, what was the other big thing uh yeah i remember that i remember being origins so- was mario wolfenstein and origins i think yeah, right yeah. All on the same day yes Last time especially mario it's, i think it's funny this game's called odyssey and then they've got this and <laughs> no they should cross those games over but uh but yeah like that's a i mean that's the nature of the game space but i mean red dead's number one on my list this year so it's really the one thing i care the most about but when they- else when else do they release it though? February 2019. Well, somebody <laughs> tweeted that. And I thought it was so funny that they said, uh, you know, if, if I was Rockstar, I'd announce a, a move to, uh, for Red Dead to, to, uh, February 22nd just to watch all the other developers <laughs> freak out and move their games around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. Um, so that was the Ubisoft conference. Uh, we did not as Christian already screamed, I guess, uh, proclaimed. Uh, we did not get the long rumored splinter cell announcement. In fact, we didn't get anything really that wasn't expected. It was a check-in with all the franchises we know, the games we know are coming. Um, of course, this is because uh, the stuff we didn't know leaked. So, you know, thanks Walmart Canada and et cetera. But what did you guys think of Ubisoft overall as a press conference? Did it, excite you did it do you give them a, a a good grade scott what do you think i give a good grade i'd say they did well i mean like you said there weren't any huge surprises some of that's you know the fault of leaks some of that is just you know there's not a ton going on i do feel like we're nearing the end of a generation of consoles i know that sounds a little weird uh but we are and um i think that means you start to focus on what's coming next and not so much on crazy future announcements they save that for a year or two so 
yeah, on the whole, it was fine. I like their mix of kind of strange and, and awkward and at the same time, I don't know, heartfelt and, and fun. Yeah. They feel very passionate uh, as a, as a company about what they do. And, and, and that works for me. So a, yeah, a lovely, a lovely emphasis on the people who make the games. I thought I, I really I liked that. Yeah. I like when they do that a lot, Bethesda did a bit of that as well. Which yeah. Was nice. Yeah. Um, Christian, I guess the, I guess the only big surprise in this whole press conference was the Star Fox announcement, I guess, huh? And I think trials, I, I, Forget if Trials was leaked, but that came as a surprise to me. I know Pete, that franchise is beloved and had kind of fallen off with the um, Blood Dragon version of it. wasn't as strong, and this seems like a return to what people loved about breaking controllers while playing. Yeah, I would say, but that, that that franchise can fall off and then get right back on again and fall off and get back right back. It just it happens over and over and over and over. There you go, Jeff. Still got <laughs> it. But, but I thought it was a great press conference, and I think something that Ubisoft does very well year after year is genuine passion. Um, and sometimes it comes across as silly or strange, but you, it, the, the presenters they have on stage care about what they're presenting, and, and I think that's infectious. And... Um, their trailers are top notch, just, just top notch. It's it's really well done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. A solid, solid showing. It didn't, uh, you know, didn't rock anybody's world like last year's. I think Mario plus Rabbids really just was set, felt like something out of left field and wild and and unexpected. But nothing quite like that. But still, I think solid. And and I'm very excited to play both the division. Two and uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I'm good also stuff. just glad we're in a place where stuff is starting to be rendered in real time in real engines. Yep. That uh, back in like the PS2 days, we would have all screamed fake. Oh uh, yeah, it's um, we are so far beyond that fake Killzone <laughs> version of the world. It's amazing. It's it's sometimes I, I did have that moment a couple of times already uh, this E3 of like I cannot believe games look like this. Know, it's it's, it's wild. So good. All right, we're going to talk about Sony, uh, lots to talk about there, but we do have to stop and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. If you have any reason to have a website, I, I have a website, jeffcanada.com. I made it on Squarespace. I use Squarespace to update to house the website. Uh, it is the best way. If you have any reason, if you want to turn a, your cool idea into a website, if you want to showcase your work or your blog or, or publish any content you might have. If you want to sell products or services of any kind, so easy. You can promote your physical or online business with a, with a website online or announce something. Just use it as a one-time announcement for an upcoming event or special project. So much more. Squarespace is the place to do it because Squarespace makes it easy to make a website, uh, any online presence. You start with a beautiful template created by world-class designers and then you customize it and it couldn't be easier to do that. You just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. Everything is so simple. You don't have to be a coder. You don't have to know how to do all HTML stuff behind the scenes. It's all handled for you. There's never anything to upgrade or patch ever. That's all handled behind the scenes for you. They have free and secure hosting. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have drag and drop e-commerce functionality if you want to sell something. And 24-7 award-winning customer support in case you run into any problems. It's so great. Make it. Make your site yourself. You really can do it. You don't have to hire someone for thousands of dollars to make a website. You can make it yourself with Squarespace. And if you head to squarespace.com slash me and use the promo code Jeff sent me. You can get a free trial 
And when you're ready to launch, use that promo code Jeff sent me to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You get a free trial right then. You can build, use their tools. You don't have to pay a, a dime. You don't even have to put in your credit card to start using it. Nothing's going to auto charge you. But when you are ready, use Jeff sent me as your promo code and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Give it a shot. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting the show. We appreciate it. I hope you give it a try so they know it was a good idea. Just to reinforce that, all of Frog Pants is now Squarespace joint. Yeah, it's the best. And I'm, and I'm loving best. it. I'll yeah. do the stores on there. Everything's on there. It's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Yep. Don't trust me. Trust Scott Johnson. Yeah, trust me. If you can't trust Jeff, then <laughs> trust me. And if not me, then who? If not now, then when? <laughs> All right, before we get to Sony, uh, another press conference that I was not present for, and since I was running around Los Angeles going from press conference to press conference, I felt felt a little distracted from, disconnected from. That's the PC gaming press conference. Scott, I know you are a big PC gamer. Mm-hmm. Did you pay attention to this? Was there anything worth noting from that? Well, I'm, I'm happy to report after three years of this thing, they actually did a pretty good job. It was so much better than previous years. Previous years were this weird pseudo Letterman chair uh, seat sort of arrangement interview thing that never really worked. Sean Plot's great, but I think he was kind of given a, a raw format. didn't work really well. Uh, this year, they, they went much more with uh, kind of game after game sort of flow, lots of video, quick interviews with devs, nothing crazy. Not a lot of advertising. They used to have to sit and talk to AMD for an hour. They don't do that anymore. Uh, it was much, much better. That being said, um, it was actually one of my favorite things of the of the day, not because of presentation, but because I love the PC ecosystem when it comes to games. There's just so much weird stuff, weird little indie titles that come out of nowhere. Right now I'm playing oh, all kinds of games. Uh, Dead Cell, Slay the Spire, Battle Rights, great. Moonlighter is my new obsession. Mm. Um I love small $15 to $20 indie experiences. Roguelikes are my jam. Um, always looking for that stuff. And PCs just have that stuff in, in droves, and it usually informs what ends up on consoles. The, the stuff I love on PC ends up moving somewhere else because, you know, it proves itself there. And as a proving ground, I've always loved the PC. So I feel like they were much better at sort of adhering to that, that aspect of things. Uh, they don't focus on... They don't have to spend any time on why our hardware is better because there's no such thing. It's all right. this universal thing. Everyone's got one, and somebody may have a better video card, but who cares? That's not the point. The point is, will it run, you know, some game you're playing? So I thought it was great, um, especially compared to the previous years. I would definitely give it a thumbs up, and there was some weird stuff shown. It's a bit of a blur in terms of what I saw. <laughs> uh, is there any standout game or two that, uh, that you are excited about from the, so there is one game currently, well, there's two games I'm most interested in. There's one that's currently in early access that I'm thinking about picking up called hunt, which is uh, a Crytek joint of all people. Mm. I had no idea this even existed. That's another reason I like this. Um, there's also kind of an impulse thing happening with the PC gaming show because in a lot of the stuff it was like we'll go to Steam and get it right now, yeah, not see you in February of 2019, right? Um, so Hunt looks interesting. It's basically a battle royale take on that genre, except it's set in this weird kind of pseudo 1830s kind of era, but the guns they use are automatics, and it's it's just a weird kind of yeah, it's, it's 
it's out. It's been it launched in early access. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's an original take on the on the genre. Yeah, and I hadn't heard of it, and so I as soon as I got I heard that I went, oh, it's already in early access. Let's go get this. So that was a thing. And then the other big standout for me is not out yet, but is supposed to be out sometime in 2018. And that's that two. Oh shoot, second. Uh, crap, I forgot the name of it. But it's that. It's basically the spiritual successor to Theme Hospital, and I forgot the name. Two two point hospital. I think that's it. Two point something like that. Anyway, that looked like a riot. Uh, some British developers made that. It looks really good. I'm a huge nut for like tycoon hospital tycoon style stuff. Yeah, it is two point hospital. Two point hospital. That's it. Yeah. That looked amazing. And I know that was it probably was a known quantity before, but there is so much happening on PCs that you just miss this stuff. Yeah, that's for it's sure. It's hard to curate it. So I appreciated them having a platform for it. And it was. It was kind of nice. The only bummer problem I have with the PC gaming show was that at the end, like the, during the whole thing, it just felt very natural and flowy and, and genuine. At the end, they said, thanks to all our sponsors, and they had this huge list of logos and names. And almost all of them were people that were on stage showing their games off. Yeah. So I felt like they could have maybe told us if there was like a thing going, you know, earlier on that this was an exchange of perhaps money for exposure. And it was not just this, curated list of cool things that are coming up that bugged me just a little bit but that's a small thing on the whole it was good yeah i mean it's it's put together by pc gamer magazine so i i think they're it's not exactly like some platform holder or something it, it is i think a, a game a thing that's sort of cobbled together with with uh shoelaces and you know bubble gum a little bit but uh sure. but but it's cool um christian did you watch it anything any standouts for you I watched part of it. I think Sega's announcement for, um, they're bringing a bunch of their games to the PC. What is it? The East Comes West on PC, I think. Um, I think if Yakuza more people play the Yakuza stuff, yeah. yeah. If more people play the Yakuza series, the, the better. I think it's a interesting game a series that, uh, has never quite a hundred percent clicked for me, but I understand why it does for so many people. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's weird because, like Scott kind of mentioned about the sponsors, and you mentioned about PC Gamer. There, there's no voice behind it, right? Like, there's it's not Sony saying this is our message, or Microsoft saying yeah. 18 exclusives, 50 world premieres. It's it's <laughs> it's hurting cats. Yeah. So it's never going to have that same weight that I think the other conferences. That's do. a really good way of putting it. And like, and, and on one hand, I like that. It's like a democracy, a true democratization of content. And it's like, everyone's just get in here. The cool stuff will rise to the top. Good luck, everybody kind of attitude. And that's got a good side and a bad side. Um, well, that's why it's been so unwieldy in past years. It's because they can't really say no to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. It's been like four hours long and, and people are just droning on. It's like, there's nobody to go. No, no, yes, no, yes, yes. You know? Right. And sometimes interesting things on PCs aren't necessarily good. Like this new battle Royale game, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's basically a battle. I I have it right here. Mavericks proving grounds. Is that the one? That looked pretty bad. That's Uh, the thousand player battle Royale game. Here it is. Totally accurate battlegrounds is like the (laughs) dumbest thing I've ever seen. It was free for a few days. Now it's like five bucks. It's on the top 10 selling uh, steam games right now. It's basically this cartoonified ragdoll, horrendous physics nightmare. But it's fun. You go in there, a hundred people get in, you end with just one. It's basically battlegrounds, but it's it's with these weird ragdoll, ridiculous like 
creature things that you are. I don't know what you are in there. They're not people. I know that. Uh, and that's dumb. Like it's so <laughs> dumb, but it's dumb in a way that I totally can get behind, right? Like that doesn't exist. You know, Sony's not going to get up and show me something that dumb, but it's still interesting in its weird PC way. So we need an outlet like this. And I feel so great about the current ecosystem on PCs. It's just always going to be hard to give it, like Christian says, that voice or that yeah. F. You know, it's just going to be hard. I just want to mention the Insomniac Oculus Joint Stormland that yeah. uh, was shown there. I am so stoked for this game. Evidently, they're not showing it anywhere at the show. I have asked everyone that I know. Um, so I have tried uh, Christian with a beverage. Is that Christian mm-hmm. with a beverage? <laughs> drink, drink it up, buddy. Um, uh, I have I have tried and tried and tried, but they're not showing it here. So uh, I guess... I guess I have to come up with a different game of show because I can't, I can't actually play it. It looked, um, that looked beautiful. So cool. Here's the good news. E3 ends Thursday. I mean, you and I both know where Insomniac's offices are. I don't know what you're doing Friday, Jeff. Camping out. We're camping out. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's get to the main event of today. And that was Sony's press conference. Now, I cannot wait to dig into this with you guys because our experiences of this event are so wildly different from one another. Uh, I am so curious as to what it was like on your end. Uh, my end, uh, because I was there in person, is is just, it's like completely, di- it's like we were in a David Cage game where you guys made different decisions. <laughs> and we are finding out at the end, oh, wow, somebody Nathan? lived somebody lived, and somebody that? died. Amen. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, so in person, first of all, we, you know, I, I got there really early. We were hanging out in tents. It, I, I also should mention anybody that's not aware, it is about a billion D degrees in Los Angeles right now. And lovely enough, they had uh, they had tents and some lovely hors d'oeuvres uh, for, for all the people waiting to get in. And so we were hanging out. I was talking to some friends ready to get excited about the show. And then at a certain point, they open up the, uh, the stanchions and, and, you know, to let you in. And so everybody, the throng starts moving forward and I, I get caught up and I'm toward the front and, uh, we end up in this little holding area outside the tent, but before the entrance of the thing, there's literally no reason for them to have opened the stanchions and let people in because they weren't actually letting people into the venue you were just in this weird uh, purgatory between two places in the hot sun. So already not not great. But again, that's not that big of a deal. We just baked in the sun for like 20 minutes waiting for them to let us in. And then when they do let us in, we walk into this huge auditorium and it is really weird. There's weird sound effects. There's like ravens crowing. There's kind of discordant music. It seems really creepy. It's dimly lit. There's candelabras along the walls. It's a giant tent that they have erected in this place in, in downtown Los Angeles that doesn't usually have a structure in it. So they built this thing. It's got like exposed, uh, wood, um, vaulted ceiling kind of, you know, uh, exposed, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Supports, you know, the support oh, uh, beams. Rafters and all that. Yeah, yeah. But they're all fake because it's a tent, right? But it's made to look like this old-timey church. And yeah. you, we, we, we sort of walk in, and it becomes very clear very quickly, there ain't no chairs in here. 
And uh, very front of the room, you start seeing people sprinting because the very front of the room has like three rows of pews, which are the only chairs in the entire building. And people are like sprinting toward the pews and uh, very, very fast. All the pews fill up. You know, I don't know how many people. I would maybe say less than a thousand, but hundreds of people here. And I would say a very tiny percentage of them are seated. So we're all jam-packed into this weird, creepy, bizarre church-looking place with a screen in front of us. And it's a massive room, jam-packed with people. I'm very close to the front, not in a pew, but very close to the pew. I mean, I could reach out with my hand and touch a pew. But there are hundreds of people behind me. And I can see next to the pews, there's like a monitor where you can see, the, but but it's so far down on the ground that nobody in the back is going to see that. The front screen is elevated slightly, but still not great views for anybody that's beyond where I'm standing. And we're all like, "What is what is going on? What is this?" And then the show starts, and it it's, becomes pretty clear that we're standing. This is happening. We're going to be standing here. And I could not believe it. I couldn't. It was hot. It was weird. We were all clumped up next to one another. And uh, Sean Layton comes out on, on stage. And there's no stage. He walks out on the floor. And he says, welcome to church. And I just was I, – I was like, this is the stupidest decision I've ever seen anyone make. It seemed really culty and weird. But from our also from our perspective, what really threw me is the audio in there. It got better later when you guys moved. But it was terrible. It was like Handycam – Awful, echoey, mic over production, soundy, awful. Oh, I, it, man. it freaked me out. I went, Sony, what are you, what's going on? What's that? Like, it, we were all a little bit dumbfounded at that point. And I, I thought of you and I went, what's he doing there? Like, what must this be like in person? It was very weird. It, it, it was, uh, <laughs> so then Sean Layton, you know, introduces an Academy Award winning musical composer who sits in a folding chair in the front of the room where no one can see him and plays the banjo for a little while. Uh, a very odd, very, very odd moment. Um, it, it, it just, it just started the whole thing off on this just feeling of, uh, what is happening here? They don't know what they're doing. Uh, everyone's uncomfortable. Everyone feels like we're going to have to stand. He goes, Sean Layton goes for the next hour. You're going to see games. And we're like, what, <laughs> what? Um, and then they showed the last of us two trailer and it became very clear the very beginning of that trailer. Oh, we're standing in the place. That's that is this trailer. They made this tent look exactly like the location that begins the trailer. Ellie is in a, I guess some sort of church dance situation. Uh, and Christian, you are the biggest last of us fan. I know I would love for you to tell me what you thought of the last of us Two trailer. Sure. I got to give overall impressions of this conference, but I can save that till the end. Um, uh, I, I, I am very excited for the last of us Two. I think the best trailer they've shown to date is still the first one with Ellie and Joel and the the questions guitar, about right? yeah the yeah. guitar and and the questions about is that Joel dead or what's happening I think that trailer uh elicited a lot of questions and feelings about the game and also was 
telling a story about relationships and, and these characters and the connection they have and heartbreak and loss. And I think it, it did a lot of that while still showing this harsh world that they now find themselves in, or Ellie maybe finds herself alone in this trailer. I, I can't believe that this is running on a PlayStation four. Um, just stunning. It was cool to see real gameplay. It was cool to see what seemed like smart enemy AI trying to flank and, um, you know, come around the world in interesting ways with combat strategies. Um, just so gory, just so gory. Um, and, and I hope that stuff is earned and, and is paid off later. Like you can be mature and gory and you can gut someone like a fish, but I don't know if I need to see it actually happen. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they've painted a picture for what this world is and it's not a place where a young adult wants to live or, or, and make their life. And I think they reinforce that here with this struggle of normalcy and um, the harshness that, that Ellie faces every day. So I, I, I want to see more character. I want to see more heart, but in terms of, of graphics and presentation, Sony internal studios are knocking it out of the park with God of war. And now with what the last of us two is apparently doing it's, as a tech demo alone, just stunning, right? Naughty Dog is uh, the first thing out of my mouth when I saw that in the middle of it. I said, they're still the same people that did freaking that old PS1 game with the Crash Bandicoot, right? Like I had to like make sure I'm in the same world because it's insane. Like the facial expressions alone, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I mean, Uncharted's have already been really impressive. The first Last of Us was really impressive. That looked really incredible. As to the violence, though, it's all about context, right? And I think they will earn it. They probably will earn it. It's shocking stuff. I can't imagine what it was like in a hot fake church standing. <laughs> yeah. um, that seems weird to see all that and be there. But um, but it's it's the kind of thing that makes you wince and go, ooh, I don't know. I think even Patrick on our stream went, oh, that may be too much. That may be too much. I'm like, well, you're a new dad and this happens and, you know, blah, blah, whatever. I'm, I was coming up with reasons to tease him at 4 o'clock in the morning because that's what time it was for him. But uh, it it was really brutal. Now, I can see the world painted in blood and guts in Doom and not think twice about it because right. it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. And even though that blood is kind of real looking and, you know, all of that, it, there's this context of I'm in a comic book. Versus this, which is here are here is a really strong representation of people, real emotion, real motivations, uh, basic human survival. Like it really changes the game, and it doesn't hurt that Naughty Dog is uh, they're masters of sound design, and they made that stuff seem more visceral than it may have been otherwise. Like just gut punchy, amazing fidelity to to all of it. It's, it was really yeah. something to see. Really, really crazy. Yeah. Um... I have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, first of all, backtracking slightly, I, I forgot to mention the fact that uh, Sean Layton, uh, you know, I, I, I like the guy and I think, you know, this was an interesting choice, but he, you know, he made that joke about Kingsman, which is referencing a scene where everyone is slaughtered inside a church. It just seemed very poor in poor taste. Uh, he also talked crap about church and it was very weird. Like this counts as your church. Yeah. It was very weird tonally. Yeah. You can get out of Sunday now. It was, yeah, it was, it was very odd. Uh, Again, I want to do a full rundown of this conference from people at home, but I want to hear your last yeah. of us two uh, impressions. So 
I've tried to paint a picture of, of what it was like in that room, and I was already sort of not in a good place, so I'm sure that colors it a lot. And as you guys have said, we give Naughty Dog the benefit of the doubt because they have earned it in previous games. The Last of Us was a brutal game, but definitely, tonally, it fit and it was earned. Mm-hmm. I don't think these last two trailers have been earned, and I don't... I don't know if that's I don't know if it's okay enough to just say, oh, in the context of the game it will be earned. Because I'm not convinced this thing we saw is how it will play out in the context of the game. Mm-hmm. It, I could be completely wrong, this is pure speculation, but we go from an, a really exquisitely acted, beautifully presented, tender moment at this dance. Uh, I don't know how many, by the way, side note, I don't know how many people who who didn't play the Last of Us DLC even know that Ellie is a lesbian um, or has, you know, or, you know, or bi or, or, bi or yeah. whatever, is attracted to women. That may have just initially been shocking to, to, to some, or not shocking is the wrong word, but just... Um, just I don't, a surprise. Just like, a, abrupt. Know. You know, it, it was it was assumed that you all knew, everybody knew that. Anyway, um but you have this really beautiful, tender moment, exquisite thing, and then it does this, like, as she's kissing, we link that moment of love to something absolutely horrifying. Like, there is this link between those two moments where we're tying something sexy and romantic and beautiful to something horrific and i think the game is trying to make a a point about that i'm not convinced that's how that plays out in the video game i think those moments are spliced together for the sake of this trailer to show you gameplay and and to sort of create something shocking if that happens in the game and it's earned i will retract what, what i'm saying now but i feel like it was really kind of gross to make that juxtaposition of like in this moment of kissing someone where her brain, her mind goes is slaughtering people, sort of linking sexuality and this sort of torture porn thing. I didn't get that. I didn't think they were linking Ellie's mind there. It was her dance partner and the narrative they were saying of, she's saying, you know, they have every right to fear you. And they showed a prolonged gameplay footage, but I think the kind of the, the, the story there is they have every reason to fear you. Fum, 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 jump cut of things that are going to happen with people that are involved in this church area that she is right now. And then it's like, you know, she, they have every, why are they so afraid of me? They shouldn't fear me. I'm just a girl. Oh no, Ellie, they should fear you. Jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump yeah, cut. Ellie standing there. But it's flexing. not a jump cut. You know, it's not a jump cut. It's this extended, it's this extended sequence. Uh, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe I misread it. But either way, I do think there's some, and you guys have touched on this already, but there is, I think there is such a thing as too brutal. I think it it just, it made me feel icky watching it. And there is a moment in this trailer where Ellie has the option to execute a man who has attacked her, but she has neutralized and he is no longer a threat. And she decides to put away her bow and arrow and behead him. Yeah, she makes that decision. She would rather hack off his head with a machete 
than kill him quickly with a knife with a bow and arrow. And so even in a situation is, where she didn't have to kill him at all, it seems. Right. It's it's so what we don't know, and this is the part where I, I'm, I'm, I think Christian's making a little bit of sense here because that thing is edited for us. That's not a linear piece of content. I don't think that's how the game goes. Where the kiss happens, boom, boom. Now now go run the sequence. Right. That's why I'm criticizing it. By the way, I, right. I agree. And I don't that, think that's the and way. that's where I agree with you because I actually think that that's where the trailers don't earn it yet. They haven't, we don't know. I mean, for all we know, that guy that she ends up doing that to, he may, there may be some twisted story with him through that whole game. And this is his final moment finally. And he deserves everything he's getting. I don't know. The trailer doesn't give us enough. And because it doesn't, and because it's willing to just throw us right into the gut wrench, we don't know if it's earned it or not. And that's hard. I agree that that's hard. I I don't, I don't like that. what What I think that moment does show though is the harshness of the world in which she lives and also leading up to that moment she's resource starved you know she she these enemies come to her and start attacking her and she's left trying to escape and leave and hide and they continue to follow her and pursue her and she's all has a few shots left in her gun and then she runs over and dislodges an arrow from a corpse and so she has a limited amount of arrows she downs this guy and instead of wasting one of her few arrows on him she goes to bat with the knife that she's going to have with her. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it, yes, again, she, she hacks the crap out of him. Did she need to kill him at all? I don't know. But I think the other point to this, and I think it's a testament to what Naughty Dog did in the first Last of Us, is we are analyzing these trailers that Naughty Dog is releasing on a level expecting the game out of them. And because their trailers are often so incredible, but if you go back and watch the first Last of Us trailers, those trailers weren't, it's a story of a dad and a daughter on a world. Like, those trailers were brutal also. It was Joel taking a brick to a guy's head yeah, from I the remember. back like five or six times. And I think the difference is now we've seen enough beautiful games that just beautiful and violent and, oh my God, what is this game doing? Enough games have learned from or emulated Last of Us or you know, caught up technologically to what Last of Us did, that it's not quite as impressive anymore. And we have The Last of Us already and Uncharted 4 and these other games from Naughty Dog. But it's it's very much in the style of what they've done. And and I think to assume that the game isn't going to pay that off is I'm not is assuming that. A discredit. I, I'm absolutely not assuming that. I, I'm honestly just judging the trailer on its own merits. And I and I started this by saying I do think Naughty Dog has earned the right to uh, uh, earn the benefit of the doubt and earned the the right to assume that the game itself, in context, will feel differently. And that if if you feel icky like I did uh, with this level of brutality, that's the intended feeling in the context of playing the game. I didn't. In the context of selling the game and in the context of, you know, it was like cheers and hoots and hollers in the room because of how this played out. And I I really do think they're two separate things, the the full game and these sort of sizzles. And as a sizzle, it just, it just sat really, it didn't get me excited about the game. It made me sad. I, I kind of equate it to almost like the Wolf of Wall Street movie. You know, mm-hmm. where clearly Scorsese is trying to show that this this dude is awful, and yet some people were like, "Hell yeah, I want to be like the Wolf of Wall Street." You know, it's like it, it walks a delicate line, and I think doing it in the context of this like sizzle trailer in the it, you know back to back with other video games, 
it doesn't play the same way that the game in full context will. And it, to me, it's a little off-putting and, and not in a good way. Yeah. And if the goal was to uh, – troll's not the right word, but this will this will trigger video game violence people who are concerned about that level of stuff. And they don't have the context. They have an even less context because they haven't played the first one. They don't know anything about these characters. They're not interested in any of that. They just know that someone's head got hacked off. Somebody else got disemboweled. Uh, you know, someone took an arrow to the neck, like someone's shanking somebody after they wake up from the kiss. Like that's all they see. And I don't know if we're doing ourselves any favors as a, as an industry by doing that. Uh, at the same time, I also am a big believer that the art should be the art, whatever the art is. And, and so I'm, I'm super torn on it. I think that's where I'm at is it's just tears me. It puts me in two different mindsets and yeah, and no other games do that. Like it's, there are plenty of bloody displays in all of E3. Sure. None of them do this. And I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is. Cause honestly, some of it's just, it's, I just know the difference. I know that this story and I know Naughty Dog's history with the last of us is not just, a big wacky time and everything else where I see some horrendous killing. It's just like, well, the Assassin's Creed kill is pretty gross, but why am I not concerned about it? Yeah. You know, well, it's these, these games are so grounded in human and and real and that's to their credit. And and I don't want to get away from the fact that I was really, really impressed by the gameplay footage in the, in the game. I mean, it is, or in the, in the demo, it is, um, unbelievable i mean the the level of detail how like how she grabs an arrow out of out of you know a person and puts it in her pack like it feels so real like that's a physical object it's not it's not just this video game arrow it feels like everything has so much detail her going underneath the truck and seeing how that all plays out i'm reminded of something you say all the time christian which is um you know i'll never play the game as good as you know, these demos show like I'll, I'll have a thousand times where it doesn't play out exactly like this. And it feels so perfectly choreographed. That's how I want to play, but I know I'll, you know, I'll I'll miss the jump or I'll do the stupid thing and I'll alert the bad guys and it won't play out exactly as cool as it did in here. And, uh, you know, just to see that the game can go this way and feel like this brilliantly choreographed film. uh, It's an amazing thing. And, And how, the animation of everything and the choices she makes throughout it, it is a stunning piece of, of technological. Also, technically speaking, the most impressive kiss I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Between it two digital characters. Awkward. Yeah. It wasn't a bunch of like, you know, polygons meshing together and looking <laughs> yeah. broken yeah. and janky. It, I was, that blew my mind yeah. to be honest. And I, I, I yeah. the, those guys, I don't know how they do it. I was going to say that. I'll tell you what. Yeah. The way I would have played like that convenience store moment, I would have been like, Oh crap out of ammo. Well, better rush at this one. Oh crap. Oh run, run. Oh crap, crap, crap. Oh yeah. the, crap, crap, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That um, been way worse for me. <laughs> clearly all of us. Um, I will say also the, the whole weirdness with the, where I was physically <laughs> seeing this made me realize just how special Sony wanted to make The Last of Us 2 because they built that entire church moment for just that game. They wanted us to have that experience for just that game to highlight how important The Last of Us 2 is to them. I mean, we were speculating that we were going to move from place to place for each of the games, and that wasn't the case. There were only two locations. One, just for The Last of Us 2, 
to give us a very unique experience just for that game. And then everything else was in a second location. So then we were shuffled off uh, without much explanation into a new area. We moved across this bridge that seemed themed based on uh, Ghost of Tsushima into a amazing theater that had this incredibly wide wraparound screen, yeah. uh, which was stunning to see in person. I wish everybody could have seen the, the way we saw it. Um, and then we saw Ghost of Tsushima, which... I I mean, Man, my jaw is on the floor. Good, dude. I, I cannot wait for that game. I can't even believe it. I mean, I can't believe it. It seems like every, every – I saw God of War, and I thought, there's no way games this generation could look better than God of War. And Ghost of Tsushima, it, it looks like the most gorgeous video game ever again in just you know a few months later. Samurai based. It looks like The Witcher, very similar open world kind of RPG with some stealth elements. Some it has actually more assassins in its trailer than Assassin's Creed did. Um, and the thing that struck me so much about Ghost of Tsushima is how it seems to really honor and revel in the cinematic history of the samurai genre. Every shot in the trailer seemed ripped out of a classic <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> ripped out of a classic samurai movie mm-hmm. and i mean the the sunny setting sun the red leaves falling the fire in the background and smoke uh, unbelievably cinematic and beautiful this i can't wait to see more of it behind closed doors uh, tomorrow i think is my appointment this is a real play for game of the show for me i was floored by what ghost of tsushima was was showing yeah it's beautiful oh my gosh the the leaf tech is off the charts (laughs) yeah and uh just uh, hdr stuff Uh, clearly they're getting way better at that every minute that horse ride uh, through that field of of i don't know wheat or whatever it was unbelievable (laughs) yeah i i don't i mean Honestly, I, I don't even know if the combat's going to work for me because I don't know. I can't tell. I'm not usually much of a sword combat melee sort of player of most video games, but I don't think I care. I just want to play that. I want to. I want to see that world. I want to live there. I want to. I want to be that guy. That was really, really something. I'm super curious to see, yeah, like what type of game it is because at first it felt very broad very it it was wearing its witcher inspirations right where it's like you're wandering this big wide open space and you might interact with a band of bandits or something like that and you'll ride your horse and just spend half the time looking at vistas and then you get to this um kind of broken down temple or i guess sieged area and then it, it felt like batman right like he literally grapples up and over and is doing detective vision targeting enemies and drops down and takes them out and spins over and i was like oh man i could get behind i think i i tweeted ninja and i tried to delete that because it's more samurai and i was like well but um i was thinking the anime of batman but it doesn't matter but it was i was like i can get behind this Uh, samurai feudal arkham yeah it's gonna be great and then (laughs) after that ends it becomes a duel, right? Like what, how does that, is that playable? Is that quick time? Is, does it have one, two switch mechanics in it? You know, where like the dual shock is motion activated. It, well, there's that, there's that duel in God of War with the stranger that, that plays out very much in the context of the game. Maybe it's sort of like that. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Very fascinating, though, in terms of the different looks it showed in a, a very brief gameplay um, snippet. Uh, I'm fascinated by this game. And this is a by Sucker Punch, who I think are very much known, at least recently, for their huge open world. So I think there's a lot to be excited by. That's yeah. another one. Sucker Punch, freaking that Sly Cooper games. Like, where are these people? They, they advance in ways that are ungodly. Yeah. I don't understand it. But that game is just absolutely gorgeous. Can't wait to play it. Uh, also, we're, you know, what we're seeing again is this, this part of the cycle of consoles where everyone said to me, well, because this is less specialized hardware and it's basically PCs, they're not going to be able to squeeze as much out of these in later years. It'll all kind of even out earlier. I call bullcrap on that now. Like I'm seeing things that sure a really high end PC could do, but I'm not sure they could optimize it across the board enough to make it work on enough systems. Like that is a, that is some specialized business happening on a single piece of hardware and it's breathtaking. I was blown away by that. Didn't expect it at all. Forgotten. It was even announced. I'd forgotten that thing existed. And so for me, that was a really pleasant surprise. Huge. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And I, I feel like Microsoft with the one X feels like the, the company that should be showing stuff that has my jaw on the floor, you know, and, and this is uh this is PlayStation hardware, PlayStation four. Unbelievable. You know what it is? I there was, I was telling those guys on the stream, Microsoft's making all the meat and potatoes and we're familiar with it. And it's like, dude, I want a steak. Oh, no, no, no problem. Here we go. This is a steak over here. And you know, that stuff. Sony's always like, you want to try fish that if you don't cook it enough, it might kill you. <laughs> like they want to make us weird food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's beautiful food and you can't believe that food exists. And you are even in a kind of a dumpier part of town, but it's, it's the best thing you've ever seen. Like that's the scenario I keep thinking of when I think of the, these two companies. And I, I really hope the acquisition of those five uh, developers puts Microsoft in a place that's a little closer to that. Yeah. I love that about Sony. I agree. I agree. And it's hard to argue that, that the, the exclusives don't tip the scales in favor of Sony for me. I, I just, there's nothing even remotely like Ghost of Tsushima that you cannot play on, you know, PlayStation 4. It, it's, it's, it's a very compelling, uh, stable of, of games that they have exclusive to their system. Um, yeah. Then we saw the new Remedy game. We just got a brief glimpse of the new Remedy game, uh, which is called Control. It had a female protagonist using some sort of um, uh, psychokinesis powers to move, throw things around and create a lot of chaos. I'm, I'm always down for a Remedy game. Uh, this game looks really cool. Control, we don't really know much about it yet, but pretty cool little trailer. Yeah. They look good. Uh, yeah. I heard everybody freak out in there. I, at least I thought I heard people freak out when they saw Remedy on there. Yeah, I had an appointment for a Remedy game, and uh, I didn't know what it was going to be, and, and I'm very intrigued uh, to, to find out more this week. Yeah. Um, I thought the trailer that they introduced, uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake, was brilliant. I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, I Resident Evil 2 was the first Resident Evil I played, and I made me love that franchise. So I'm kind of digging the fact that they're remaking it in the full Shadow of the Colossus style uh, of like back to the you know new polygons and just from the ground up remake. And the way it started in this sort of POV of a rat, uh, I just thought that was so cool and so clever. I didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, I thought it was a neat, fun string you along for a long time and, and, and until the big reveal and. 
you guys didn't get a chance to see this at home, but it was completely done in that big wraparound ultra wide screen. And it was really a neat moment in the theater. Uh, Christian, what did you think of uh, Resident Evil 2? I'm all aboard uh, playing Resident Evil 2 colon slash Resident Evil 4 style way of playing a game, right? Like, yeah, great reveal, great presentation. It is a game that had been rumored uh, to be have, to happen this way for some time now, but to actually see it come together and the way they they played it out, not with the logo being the reveal, but, you know, when you got that, that the classic character reveal, like whip turn, it was like, oh, no, it is. It's that thing we thought. Um Really, really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like my biggest takeaway, though, from this, I, this is soon, right? Isn't this January? Yeah, I, Jan- I, I end of January. Lost, I got lost in soon and 2020 uh, <laughs> between what Sony was showing. But I think yeah. I think this was January. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah I think it looked cool, man. Like uh, Leon S. Kennedy showing up on screen. Yeah. Uh, we all gulped and went, what the, I, this is resident. Like for a minute, I thought, well, all right, resident evil, this is a sequel. How is he in this? I thought it was a sequel to seven or something. And then it dawned on us. And we're like, no, 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 this is resident evil. Like two, like we're going to be in that police station a ton. It's 2.4. Leon's back. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, that resident evil two had static cameras, uh, with, you know, pre-rendered backgrounds where you moved a polygon across it. It was very different game to p- play that in a fully rendered 3D universe. It's gonna, it's gonna feel like a new game, and and that's kind of rad. I, I, like I said, the first Resident Evil I fell in love with. So, um, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I just thought the the trailer was super, super slick. Um, and then we got a couple of other things. Um, a thing from Justin Roiland called Trover Saves the Universe. I guess Justin Roiland only does the one voice, regardless <laughs> of which character he's doing. Um, but the thing I want to talk about is Death Stranding. Okay. I don't even. So I'm going to throw it to you, Scott, because I don't even. Oh. <laughs> All right. We watched, we, we, we watched what, like, uh, 10 minutes of trailer and I, I literally still have no idea what that game no, is. I don't either. Um, but, and I said this on Twitter, just put it in my veins. I'm ready. Like, really? Oh, dude, I don't even care. Like, there's something about Kojima. The only thing that is familiar in this or the thing that I can look at and go, Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it is that it's a Kojima production. That's it. Like the rest of it, I don't know where he's going, where he's taking us. Freaking uh, Daryl can carry a lot of stuff on his back, it looks like. Uh, <laughs> there's some weird shit happening in that thing, and it is uh, – I, I don't know. I am all in regardless. I don't care what it is. I mean, it may be a bad game. In the end of the day, everything's possible. It could be terrible. But I am so into – seeing something new and it looked genuinely new if it's just a move boxes around simulator then i don't know but <laughs> it looks i mean it looks like nothing well, else you you know you posed a question to me at the beginning of the this episode and yeah. i will pose it right back to you <laughs> would you rather have the death stranding uh netflix show <laughs> or do you want to play that okay this is I don't know what this says about me, but I'm going to go the opposite direction because <laughs> I want to explore the space. I want to, I want to, you want to hopefully go. they'll let me do that, but I want to figure that. I want to see what that place is. I want to understand why there's a baby in, in a glass belly thing. <laughs> you're and you're I, not going to understand it. You're not. Dude, I want, <laughs> I want so bad to just get in there and see these things up close. And I want to see Mads Mikkelsen. I want to see, like I'm seeing real actors, which is the freaky bit. 
doing real performance in a in a place in a in a in a, in a environment that nobody's done before. This isn't anything I can relate to. So for me, that's there's some magic in that, and I really want to experience it. So I'm going to say game, not TV, for this All one. Right. Well, in the chat, the Black Lodge said Kojima's track record gives me confidence. He's earned it. Christian, yeah. you are a huge Metal Gear fan. Uh, what wh- what do you make of this? <laughs> uh, it's gorgeous what they've done. You know, built on the back of um, Guerrilla Games's Horizon Zero Dawn engine, I think is stunning. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with Scott where I think it'd be the ultimate Rick roll. If like it's like I deliver stuff, and Kojima's like, and that's the game. <laughs> deliver away. Keep you delivering. Really hinted, did you get any hints, Christian, from this? That the, I mean, the, the only gameplay hint we've had at all, if I'm if I'm asked with a gun to my head, is today we saw him turn on his weird little clapping radar thing <laughs> and kind of avoid uh, dead people who are all umbilicaled into some weird dimension. And it looked like he was kind of stealthing around. We them. saw him not avoid that. We saw him get eaten by them. And I was like, oh, that looks like the most frustrating thing that could possibly happen in a video game. It's like the ground opens up because I walked in the wrong space and they all eat me. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I mean, that may suck in practice. But also, there, there, after that happened, in typical Kojima style, it's like, all right, that's the trailer because here are the logos. Nope, there's a lady eating a grub. Okay, now we're done. Now we're done. No. Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the bionic woman's on yeah. the beat. Lindsay freaking uh, Wagner. Lindsay Wagner. Yeah, that was what amazing. Looking was real good. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is the this is the best use of motion capture is youngifying Lindsay Wagner. Do it up. <laughs> it yeah. I mean, the, the swimming part from two trailers ago was playable. Remember, Scott? Like that was gameplay, and we were like, what was gameplay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I so I feel like this is closer to the Beyond Good and Evil 2 yeah. scenario. I think yeah. this game will come out. This is two years away minimum. I don't know if Kojima knows what the game is yet. I think his game, I think he's already playing his game and we're just, we're his, we're his pawns, right? Like he's got the controller right now. <laughs> he's watching us all scurry around. It's fascinating, beautiful. Uh, is there a script? Like when these big time actors signed on, was it just like Kojima saying, I'm Kojima and then being like, okay. Or did they read a thing? Did, do they know? Can we go kidnap some of these people I mean, and find out? Like there's some, I mean, something scripted. It does feel like he's in a dire place. There's some survival happening. I mean, the dude did the sickest, grossest thing I've seen all week, which is tear an entire toenail off. Oh yeah. That was rough that was rough yeah. uh, you know it mo- move over last of us too i got a yeah got a nice brutal thing for you to look at Ugh, that yeah. killed me i could barely stand it but, the imagery yeah. imagery so, is undeniably evocative and there's something going on there's something going there's a baby in a thing there are weird <laughs> handprints happening on the in the mud there's something happening i mean him <laughs> carrying like a corpse in the sitting position on his back that's that's evocative imagery that is doing something to me, but I have no indication. I mean, there's literally no action in any of this. There's no indication of any kind of core gameplay loop. I I am convinced we are at least two years away from this game, probably more, and we're going to continue to see trailers that are still going to add up to nothing. It is... 
it is in engine stuff. Doesn't it make you think they're further? I mean, I feel like it's further along than than Beyond Good and Evil Two for sure. I mean, they're is making it? they're making little movies in the engine. I, I, I that's what they're doing. They're making little movies. Yeah, I guess that's that's true. I mean, technically that is true. That is what they're doing. But it did feel like he was somebody's controlling him when he's walking around with that box on his back. Somebody's controlling him when he's going up that mountain. Like I feel like there's something there. When he's yeah, it does. It does look super fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, it looks like a real riot. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there's a moment in this game where you like go into a, a warehouse and there's just an average-looking forty-eight-year-old man naked <laughs> that you have to look at for twenty minutes or something. <laughs> well, he does this stuff. He's so weird, and I mean, the last Metal Gear was so freaking weird. It's always been weird. It's just that this is new level. Like this well, he is, is not... the leash is off, man. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants now. At least, with, at least with Metal Gear, it was like, oh, Solid Snake. Yeah, he's got a patch, and he's a army guy. He's got <laughs> yeah. army friends, and they do army things. And maybe once in a while, a flaming whale is in the sky. But still, there's grounded. There's some grounding it's because somebody at at Konami's job was to rein him in. Some poor sop at Konami was like, <laughs> I can't. I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then they had to let him go and sever the contract. And now. No one is overseeing anything he's doing. He has a blank check and he's just doing whatever he wants. And you know what? I am prepared to eat all of my words. If this comes out, you know, anytime in my lifetime and it's amazing, I will, I will seriously eat my words. I want it to be amazing. I don't not want it to be amazing. I just, I feel like he is just making little movies that are sort of his little poetry of, craziness and we're all watching them and expecting some game out of it. And there isn't one, there isn't one. Uh, I think there, I think this is coming out. And I also think beyond good and evil too. I think you've, you've got lost in the weeds a little bit with the, how bizarre it is, but there are purse strings attached to Kojima still, and they are Sony purse strings. I think they're getting value out of him by having him parade out. And I think they're already selling consoles off of him with this. Um, I also think they're selling, getting their money back in terms of what he is doing, pushing this Horizon Zero Dawn engine. But, I mean, has he announced a game that didn't come out? Has, I mean, he's announced games that have been delayed, but they've they've been masterpieces. And they've been not wrong. provocative in weird ways. I think sometimes tonally he, he misses. He takes some swings and he misses in terms of what he's saying. But... Um, you know, they've come out and they've been great and they've been real games with things to do also with four hour cutscenes to watch. But, uh, maybe you're, maybe I'm, you, you are likely very correct that I am just being completely unfair. And I apologize if that's the case. It just, I don't see, I don't see the finish line here. And I think anybody that expects this game to come out anytime soon is, uh, what soon? Well, I said in the next two years. I don't think this comes out before 2020. 2021, maybe. They got to hurry, though, because I think we got a new console cycle right around then. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the launch title for that. Who knows? It could be. I mean, I would remind everybody, too, this thing started with that weird, freaky baby again. <laughs> Looking, I, When I first thought, I was like, oh, it's like science class. It's like freaking some weird artery or whatever. And I'm like, oh, right, it's that baby. He not only does the thumb thing again. But he's flipped around and gives and moons everybody with his freaking butt crack. That wasn't in the old trailer, so they've, they've really upped their game this year. It is, uh, it's something. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, the final game that was shown, uh, well, they had Neo 2, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, that's coming from a Microsoft first party developer, I guess. <laughs> Ninja Theory is, uh, doing that. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It was Team Ninja. Excuse me. Not Ninja Team Theory. Ninja. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. Um, but then we saw more Spider-Man and we got, uh, the Sinister Five. Uh, evidently, I think there were hints at the sixth member. I think we, what we didn't see at the end of the trailer was the Green Goblin, but certainly five of the Sinister Six, uh, at the raft, the famous, uh, super villain prison where they're all breaking out. We saw these interesting, uh, Spider-Man video game designs for all the, the villains. Electro, the Rhino, the Vulture, Negative Man. Uh, who am I forgetting? Yeah, that's you on this episode, Jeff. <laughs> I've been pa- hey man, I went Gaga for stuff, uh, but I had an inter- I had an interesting evening. Um, Did you feel weird about the change, like the the tonal shift from Death Stranding to Spider Man? Did that because that's what I was thinking when I watched it, but I I thought it would be maybe more pronounced if you were there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I was just sort of, the, the Death Stranding stuff was just like, okay, all right, man. <laughs> I was welcoming the, the switch to Spider-Man because, uh, you know, I'm very, that was our game of E3 last year. I think we're all excited to, to see where it's going. And I'm such a huge Spider-Man fan, Marvel zombie from way back. Um, so I was so excited to see these villains. I think that the designs are not my favorite designs. They're the very, like, you know, sort of techno future, the sort of ultimate version of not, I, I much prefer the classic like spandex, cheesy spandex version. I, I I would be into that. These look really good. Having said that, um, I got to play this game. So I'm, I'm curious before I get into my experience playing it after the show was over, uh, I would love to hear what you guys thought of the, the trailer. what do you think, Scott? Uh, totally in, been in since the beginning. I think everything they've shown looks super fun. Uh, in some ways it's a throwback to Spider-Man 2, the, probably the best Spider-Man ma- game ever made. And, uh, also being modern and, you know, a much bigger open world, all that stuff looks great. I'm a hundred percent in, I'm really hoping what you tell us about gameplay is positive, but without knowing that it's a must buy for me this year, I guess. What about you, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted this out like I'm all aboard Spider-Man Arkham Prison. Like, you know, they had him locked, <laughs> in, a, locked in a prison, and and all of his greatest villains have busted out, and he's doing Batman moves. Except it makes sense for Spider-Man to be doing some of those Batman moves. I think showing combat in a confined space. I know they had shown it on a construction site before, and I know this was a large prison. The raft is very big, but I think the way that they showed fluid combat. Um, in smaller spaces, hallways, rooms, and stuff like that was really cool because I think Spider-Man games have struggled with camera. And I think this trailer, you know, showed a nice flow to the combat and kind of this chase mechanic, you know, through Electro, through the raft. And then they blew it out and took him outside and showed you traversing in a really fun and interesting way where it looks like your button presses maybe aren't all that complex, but they're giving you different animations to watch with like a vertical spin or a, a pull off of something for momentum and this, that, and the other. And I think that can go a long way to, to making something that you're doing a lot of seem very interesting. And then I think also they hinted that these outfits were new for these characters. It was like, well, mm. where'd you get to get this upgrade? So I'm hoping oh, interesting. That, that we're going to have our cake and eat it too, where we might see some classic villain costumes and ah. then goblin upgrades his tech or whoever it I is like that yeah norman osborne corp you know uh yeah gives them all that's interesting i like that i also like the well 
this looked like an insomnia game to me. Like it had the telltale signs of that's who's making this. And I wonder if you felt like it looked um, too much like an insomniac game. Uh, Cause I don't necessarily see it as a negative thing, but I immediately I see it, especially when he's chasing around electro or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This just looks like second son or whatever the expansion was mm. to that other game. So I am curious about that, but so how was it? I'm I, I, well, hold on. sorry, real quick. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So second son, that was sucker punch, plucker punch. Oh, yeah. I thought that was, uh, Oh, is, I've got my, I've got my people mixed up then. And yeah. So insomniac, they last did, um, sunset overdrive was the Xbox exclusive, but kind of that same yeah, mobility world. Move around the world. Yeah, traversal right, right, right. Yep. I've confused them. Uh, right. I, I thought that was cool how much electricity was happening all around electro at all times. I thought that was really a, a cool touch. I just, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I like those classic designs and I, think in a video game you can get away with it you don't have to make it seem like it was plausible in the real world i get the decision and i'm hoping christian you're right that these are like 2.0 versions of the heroes that you get to see the sort of classic versions that'd be cool too or maybe there's like costuming that you can unlock or microtransaction your way yeah, into in fact i thought there was some ex- uh, pre-order stuff where you got well, i know there is for spidey i don't know if, if his villains can oh, be, the, yeah. the jeff edition is 400 dollars, but it has all the classic costumes in it i'm in and it has vr i'm in uh <laughs> uh insomnia it's all about that vr baby um i played it uh for about i don't know 15 minutes i think was our our so not not tons of time on it i love it i loved it i love it uh so what i got to play was a section of the open world manhattan um very much feels like other games you've played in in a large sense. Uh, you get to the top top of something and you look around uh, Assassin's Creed style and you see points of interest around that show up on your map. You can go to them, start off missions. Uh, there is also emergent stuff happening. You can hear like people like oh you have like a police scanner or something where it's like oh there's a you know break in over over on Third Street and you know you can go do that as a just a uh, you know thing that'll get you experience points. Um, I did two missions. Uh, one was a wave. It was like a, a base, uh, a base that you were trying to liberate. It was like the top of this skyscraper and it was being, is under construction and it waves of enemies. There was four waves of enemies I had to defeat before I completed the mission. Not easy. This is not, the game was challenging. And I think as I play it more and get better at it, uh, you know, I think there's a, a real skill level to it feels very similar to a a Batman type combat except you know in Batman when you're stringing together combos you see sort of alerts on the bad guys when they're about to attack you so you know when to dodge or block well cleverly they have switched that to Spidey because Spidey's the guy with the spider sense so you get Spidey's spider sense going off in a very comic booky way you sort of see the squiggly lines around his head but you don't know which enemy is going to attack you. You don't know why his spider sense is, is tingling, which I thought was really interesting. And, and you're, you're much more focused on you than you are focused on the bad guys because you're looking for your spider sense going off. I thought that was a, a pretty interesting and pretty clever. You've got a dodge button. You've got an attack button and you've got uh, a triangle like shoots a web at people. Um, you're, you're, Triggers shoot uh, just sort of quick webs at people. Lots of really dynamic things to use in the environment. If you hit L1 and R1 at the same time, you can grab things in the environment, swing them around, and use them as projectiles. 
it is really dynamic, tons of options all the time about how to take down these enemies. They're swarming you. They're shooting at you. You're dodging bullets. You're dodging people's fists. Um, and it feels like Batman sort of on speed. It's like, you know, Batman is sort of brutal and methodical and he's, you know, he's leaping and kicking between people. But Spider-Man is live and fast and jumping atop things and swinging around. Uh, really fun combat and not easy. I died a couple of times in these, in the waves. Uh, I think I will get better at the game as I play it. But, uh, you know, I, I liked that about it. I liked the challenge. It didn't feel easy mode at all. The traversal through the city, I really liked as well. Um, I can't remember how previous Spider-Man games have done it, but I have a, this vague sense that you could just sort of swing your webs anywhere and, you know, it would just automatically yeah. hit something in the sky, even if there wasn't a, a building around. That's not how it works in this Spider-Man game. It is all motivated. Your, your webs have to be able to hit a building. If you are above all the buildings and you try to shoot your webs to swing, there's nothing to hit. So they won't even go. Uh, what you do is you, you hit R2, which is the R trigger, you know, R2 button, uh, and you hold it down to swing and let go and your web goes, you'll let go of the web and you'll press it again and he'll shoot another web at the closest building you can. So you have this rhythm of swinging, but the buildings are of different heights throughout the city. So sometimes you can get a real good rhythm going and there's no tall building to swing to. And so you can't. So you've got the X button that can like shoot your webs just straight forward. So you can sort of continue that momentum. So there's a real joy in the traversal because you're thinking about it. You're planning out your route through the city. And there was a, a section where I had to go a big distance through Manhattan and I was swinging and jumping and shooting. And you can, uh, you know, land on the face of a building and run straight up it. You can run along the side of the building and it sort of all happens dynamically as you go, but it never feels like that Assassin's Creed, you know, hold a button and we'll find the route for you thing. It really always feels like you're doing something. You're you're in command of it and you have to have a certain amount of skill to keep up your momentum and do it fastest and best. I loved it. Mm, this sounds really, I mean, you're, I'm, I was already <laughs> sold, but I'm so glad that you had a good experience with that. It sounds freaking great. Uh, the, the second mission that I did was a face off against the shocker, which was a full on um, boss battle against the shocker. It was cool. There were phases to the fight. I had to, you know, pick things up in the environment and knock him down before I could attack him. It's great. The, the, the game looks phenomenal. Um, it looks like it's a big, vibrant Manhattan with lots to see and do. I, I, I think this is a home run. I mean, this is the Spider-Man game that I've always wanted. It, it certainly appears that based on the 15 minutes I played it and I can't wait to play more. I, I'm so excited for this game. I'm curious how they they handle the the side quests <clears throat> in like our conversation uh, about God of War and kind of how they approached it before and and then you know my my hang up on games or if it's like Mary Jane's going to be dropped from <laughs> the the whatever Empire State Building you got to go rescue her and then someone's like help oh, my purse and you're like well Time to go level up. I'm curious how that open world balance and, and gameplay narrative. Well, uh, that's takes. kind of the superhero dilemma, right? Is, uh, you know, how Only do you, if Mary Jane can die? <laughs> how do you prioritize? Oh, you're saying it just wouldn't happen. I mean, there's no indication that there is a ticking clock at any point in this game. Um, there is, you know, 
there definitely was the shocker was like, Hey, there's shocker is uh, breaking into a bank. Go stop him. So I don't know if you just never, if that quest just waits for you until you're ready or if he's just constantly at that bank <laughs> hanging out or if there's a point at which yeah. like, well, the shocker got away with all the money. Good job, Spider-Man. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Um, but man, it, it plays really, really well. And, um, I'm, I mean, it was our game of E3 last year. We both hoped that we wouldn't see it again this year at E3 because we wanted it to be out, but, uh, it'll be out early next year. And I think, um, Oh no, I mean, sorry, later this it's year, September. right? September. Yeah, September. Oh man. Exciting. Oh my gosh. That's not, that's, that's sooner than it feels like. That's yeah. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's good though. Cause, uh, October is all about Red Dead and I can't deal with more competition for the game time I have. So. No kidding. Yeah. Sorry, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, so real quick, as someone who watched this from home, I don't know if I can remember watching a press conference and people may be like, quit talking about conferences it's about the games um but i think a big part of e3 is selling the games i think conferences are a big part of that i don't know if i remember watching a press conference with as many apparently great games that fell so flat i think that this press conference was the content was there the way it was presented was abysmal i think Having this Last of Us setup that I guess in person was impressive. Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I am I am convinced that if they had shown the Last of Us on that ultra wide screen where the rest of the conference was, yeah. it would have come off much better. It would have been more impressive because the game would have been that crazy ultra wide beautiful thing. We would have been sitting comfortably in air conditioning like we were for the rest of it. I mean, it maybe sounds annoying to hear me complain as somebody who was at the event, but. I understand them trying to carve out a special moment for The Last of Us 2 because it's a special game, but I think it set off the entire conference in a really weird way and backfired, frankly, as far as it, I'm yeah, concerned. It did from home, too, also, where then they kick to this intermission of very abruptly and no, like, hi, we're going to show you this great game and then we'll be back in a minute. It was just very weird, and the 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 people during the intermission didn't seem... Like they knew exactly how to fill the time. Um, and then it went back into the, the conference after it was like 15 minutes of just like weird kind of banter. And Black Ops 3 is available now on PS Plus, which I guess is cool, but it felt like a, I gotta fill this time, um, moment. And then when it went back into the press conference, I don't quite know how it was live, but like the interstitials between trailers of these guys playing like flutes or whatever like it looked like characters from dreams maybe but it, yeah it, it was it was dreams it was like weird dreams it was like oh, the only yeah. appearance that dreams made in the show is these like hey dreams and it, it, yeah it was really bizarre like just run your trailers together or don't and then the way that they had uh gustavo like you said academy award winning and just phenomenal composer and musician playing oddly in a black hoodie and then they had some guy, uh, he looked like a white guy in Ghost of Tsushima cosplay, but then no one else had that treatment. Like Spider-Man didn't have, they didn't play like, watch out, here comes. Like, oh, we were joking about that in the audience. I was like, if they're going to have a musical intro, I can't wait for Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. So yeah. like, tonally it seemed weird. Um, I, I feel like 
just with the amount of trailers they showed and the the little that Sean added to the press conference, if I think, if anything, this particular year, and I think he's been great before, but I think this particular year he detracted from it and what he said and how he said it. Um, I think they just go Nintendo Direct. It's already just trailers. Um, then yeah, do your really treehouse is. type presentation with, you know, your the people who did your um intermission have that later because the weird thing is too like spider-man ended and they showed this kind of montage of like a lot of the big games they showed and then it cut to the audience and i think they were expecting like a cheer but the person they showed just like looked around was like the heck is that that's yeah, it? are we done yeah and it, then it yeah immediately cut back to and i'm blanking on their names uh the people that were kind of hosting this playstation the light i was watching the official playstation stream and they were like, oh, we're back. Oh, man, what was your favorite part? And this one guy was like, um, <laughs> it was great. Like, they weren't re- – it was really weird. Well, and, just- and that's so weird because, you know, you have, I would say, what, 80, 90% of games press is in a room. You, you, you brought them in a room, and we were all sitting there looking on Twitter going, oh, look, they announced uh, a new they announced they announced a- Game Plus for God of War. Oh, look. And they- a From Software VR, VR game. exclusive. Yeah, people were <laughs> tweeting me like, oh, you missed the VR. It's like all the people that are supposed to be reporting on this, you brought here, and then we aren't privy to seeing the announcements you're making. It really is, A, shows you just how far afield E3 has gotten from what it once was. Like this is not about presenting things to press at all. It is a show for a streaming audience that needs a live <laughs> live studio audience, and we are it. I think um, Nintendo's shown you don't need that. Yep, and I think you're absolutely right that that's where this is all going. This is what, where that this is all headed. And maybe this is the catalyst that makes it happen because they tried to do something really cool with this church thing, and we're all, you know, here I am poo-pooing about it. Um, so maybe this is the thing where I'm like, well, it's not worth the effort anyway. But – I think it would be a shame. It was a really cool moment seeing in the big widescreen theater. I think that's all neat. But when you, you know, when you have this weird disjointed thing where there's a one experience for the people that are there and one experience for the people that are at home and you're kind of waiting for the people that are there to move into a different space, it just was very clunky and strange. And it overshadows what I agree is very strong substance to the, uh, to the, to the press conference. So yeah, the games themselves were, you know, everything about the games uh, impressed me in the Sony conference and yeah. the other con- conferences, but as always, they just get in, they just get in their own way. And I am after even watching the square Enix one, I went, Oh, okay. Just a couple more of these guys need to go for this like video direct thing. And then we can be done with this stage crap like, or do it. Just go all in or do a proper stage thing. Like, right. Well, Nintendo, I mean, uh, Sony had it figured out. Like the year where we were in the, the beautiful, whatever theater that was, I can't remember which one it was, uh, where they had the live orchestra and the sets on stage. I just thought that was as classy as classy could be. It was, uh, effective. It was rousing. It felt like it elevated these things to being, uh, you know, high art. And here, the sort of the opposite where it's like, welcome to church. Here, and it's like, it's just, it just, I think it was poor, it was wrongheaded. And I, somebody thought it was a cool idea. And maybe it sounded like a cool idea in the room when they brought it up. But in, in practice, it just, it fell flat for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that tent should have been part of like their booth or like a fan experience the way they had like a great uh, God of War experience at PSX. Like have that thing to walk through and experience, but to have that and then have a 15-minute intermission. And I agree with you, Scott. I think you either go direct or you go live. And there are strengths to live that you can capture and do really well. But then also, you know, don't have press in there. Don't have press in the front row. Have your fan audience in the front row. So when you cut to people applauding, it's people applaud. Imagine if you're watching like Rolling Stones or Grateful Dead, like live concert footage. And when they cut to the audience, it was the, <laughs> the pitchfork reporter <laughs> was there being like, huh, they've clearly aged, uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, they already fill that place up with plants as it is like, it's already a ton of Microsoft employees or a ton of whatever, like the, the, the freaking forced, uh, you know, audience reaction they were trying to get out of the Bethesda one was almost murder. I can't well, watch that. at Ubisoft, I'm telling you, as I was there, six rows in the front were reserved for employees. The first yeah. six rows. So all of those cheers, like you saw, I don't know if you guys saw the very beginning of the Ubisoft conference. They had uh, two, their two sort of intro people standing on this balcony and the place yeah. went bonkers, bonkers. Like it was deafening in there. The entire back of the theater wasn't making a peep because it was all journalists just sitting there waiting for it to start. Everybody in the everybody that was going crazy were all employees of Ubisoft, like there to create that studio audience situation. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how much they are, but hire the Super Bowl halftime show team or something. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think you have to go that far. Uh, but, but you know, Sony yeah, did it right. I think they did it right with that theater presentation from what last year or the year before. Yeah. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah. Last year was awesome. It was yeah. just mostly video, transitioned nicely. He would come out at the top and at the bottom and sandwich it. It was uh, really cool. This the like live sets they brought in, you know, the people hanging upside down for days gone and all that. That was all really awesome additive stuff in the live orchestra. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like well, I won't put words in your mouth. Let me just ask you straight out, Scott. Mm. What would you consider to be not just from today, but from everything we've seen, all the press conferences? Uh, up into uh, you know tomorrow's Nintendo, we haven't seen yet, but everything up to this point, what would you consider to be your favorite press conference? Um, oh boy, I thought this was going to be an easy answer when I was thinking about this earlier, and it turns out it's kind of not. Like there are parts of everyone's that I really like. Like Todd Howard's time on stage is always good. Yeah, he's so strong. It's, he's just yeah. great. The guy knows how to do it. He's like the Metzen of that company. He just knows how to get up there and do what he has. Yeah, to do. yeah. Um, but if I had to pick like a single conference and, and say that that was my favorite, I probably still go with Sony because I think the strength of the games was there. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what I'm going to care about long term. Mm-hmm. It does really work against them that it was so funky. Yeah. And not in a good Ubisoft or Nintendo or kind of weird way that I like from some of these weirder studio, yeah. like studios and publishers. But in kind of a just an awkward, why did we do it this way? Somebody should probably get fired. Like just kind of a weird, <laughs> yeah. weird thing like that. But the games themselves, I found that stuff really, really intriguing. As I often do, this is kind of Sony's strength, and 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 so for me, that was that was probably the big one. Yeah, you bring up. I think you bring up the 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 hardest thing to reconcile, which is like, do you judge it on? it as a piece of theater that's meant to get me excited or do you judge it on the purely the content shown that's a hard distinction to make and i don't know even where i sit it's somewhere in the middle i think for me but 
Uh, Christian, what would you consider to be the strongest um, press conference of, of E3 so far? I think in terms of, of press conferences, which I think you'd need to take in the theatricality of it, I, I think it's Microsoft's. And I think why it's Microsoft's is they had Todd Howard on stage. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> stole better- the best part of Bethesda and they stole the best part. I mean, they had Kingdom Hearts and they st- so they stole the best part of Sony, you know, whatever. Well, I think it was a very good presentation where Phil Spencer came on stage and, and did what I think EA tried to do with theirs where he had his uh, hey we've made mistakes here's how we're trying to fix it moment but I think he did it in a very positive way uh, and that he tackled the problems that Xbox is having head on you know from the very beginning it was this idea of we've got a bunch of games these are all games you can play on our console I mean do we kind of erase and flub the number of exclusives and premieres and then yeah but don't worry about that these are all games you can play on our console and they are they're all games that you could play on their console exclusive or not and they were arguing that it's if they're not exclusive it's the best way to play them on their console and they they talked about you know they showed a lot of content they showed uh how they're trying to chase that sony exclusivity whether or not it's you know, it's probably five, 10 years away, but so is Death Stranding um, with those acquisitions. And I think Ninja Theory and um, Playground Games and the Initiative, I think is their new Santa Monica studio are, are all great things. And I think the way that they showed it and wrapped it all up was really well done in terms of trailer, 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 uh, getting Todd on stage, getting some other developers on stage. And I think it was a really well done press conference. Sony I think showed more games that if I had to pick like, you know, here's a list of games, which ones are you going to buy? I think Sony's press conference packed some incredible games into their, whatever it was, hour, 20 minute runtime. But the the conference itself, like I think I tweeted out, you know, finally answering the age old question, can a bad press conference make great games look so, so Sony's trying to answer that for us. Um, and, Luckily, a lot of these games aren't coming out tomorrow, so they still have time to resell us on them. But their press conference was a real stinker, a real, real stinker, and they showed some some great games, and I think that's what elevated it. What there, about you, Joe? There were two, real quick, there were two um, elephants in the room that I still can't believe didn't get mentioned or shown anywhere, and one was zero reference whatsoever to Fortnite in any conference at all. Wait. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, tomorrow. Video, that's man. tomorrow. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, who knows? But but you're right. It surprised me. But the bigger surprise maybe is that maybe the first time in I don't know since 2005 there was no front and center demo gameplay opener trailer anything in the major conferences for Black Ops Four. There just wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they talked. Did they talk about it in the interstitial in the intermission? Yeah. yeah, they talked about like. Old maps are coming to the new game and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, was yes. it. Just old maps. That was it. They showed some old maps. They're remastered and they didn't really do anything else. They followed this bullet path through these old maps. And yeah, I was genuinely was surprised also that Destiny 2 Forsaken was not anywhere in Sony's. They have such a good relationship with Sony. It's been synonymous with their platform. There was no mention of that. Wait, where did the, no, they, where did I watch that in a trailer today? Where did they, they, they you saw Cade's head? Yeah, uh, and she supposedly maybe shot oh. him and get the weird angle. What was I that? I think that was Sony's was that, conference. Was that during an interstitial moment that I didn't see? Oh, oh it might have been. Yeah. Oh, so you know what weird. it was because they were reacting after going, looks like some big stuff going down in the desert. So, so weird, oh, dude. <sighs> so weird that I literally had a different experience than you guys. It's just yeah. so weird. Yeah, um, weird. So for my money, I think Microsoft takes the cake. 
but it's a difficult thing. I think this is exactly what Scott is talking to because what I came away from the Microsoft conference buzzing about are all things that you can play on the, on PlayStation and on PC for that matter. Um, so it's not like they made a, a case that you had to have an Xbox, right? It, it's, it's a different kind of metric that I'm using. It's just, I just thought it was a better showing way more stuff. Uh, I think better paced, more fun ups and downs. Sony's exclusive library is a winner. It's a winner. Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, whenever the hell it comes out, Spider-Man, Days Gone we didn't even see, and that's an exclusive. Like Their exclusive games, Last of Us 2, they are so strong, and there's nothing that touches them on the Microsoft platform that's exclusive. You know, people may love Sea of Thieves. It does not touch Ghosts of Tsushima as far as I'm concerned. Um, so it's hard not to say, well, Sony just wins by virtue of their library. But I think if you're talking about getting me buzzed uh, at E3, I, I come away, I'm excited for The Division 2. Saw that at Microsoft, saw gameplay there. I'm very excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Saw that. That was the mic drop moment at the end of Microsoft. You know, Forza looked really strong. I'm not a racing game guy. It looked really strong. And there just was a ton of stuff. The pace was, it was accelerated. It was thrilling. And it felt like it had personality. It, it wasn't this weird disjointed thing that Sony's was. And I also, I want to take a few points away from Sony in the sense that, again, they had a sprawling thing that, that overflowed the edges of its conference. You know, we saw the days leading up to it. We saw PSVR announcements, you know, in the interstitial moments that were only for the home viewers. We saw other things. But in the context of the press conference itself, there was no small game. I mean, we saw that Justin Roiland game. Perhaps you can call that a small game. But there was no charming, downloadable, enigmatic, quirky Sony game. There was no Pixel Junk Eden or whatever you want to say from previous years that uh, that I think Sony does really, really well. You know, the... the um, um, Fat princesses of the world, or whatever it is, that those wonderful smaller downloadable games that have had a place in their press conference in previous years. I was sad not to see that. I was sad to see it dominated by these giant games, and we did get to see more of them and deeper versions of that, and that was cool. But I I appreciated that Microsoft had room for ID at Xbox, even if it was just a montage, and they had room for smaller things, you know, like Tunic, for example. Uh, so I I. You know, I think that I, I give that a win. I, Bethesda was, was weird until Todd came out. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Ubisoft, I think was, was solid, but not great. And I thought uh, EA was really uneven throughout. So overall, not a super strong year for press conferences, even if the games themselves are of a really high quality. I agree. And I, and you make really good points about Microsoft. I just kept getting the feeling they're in a rebuilding phase. And yeah. that's okay. Like that's good for sports franchises. It's good for companies. It's good for everybody. And they're investing in the future. I think they are acknowledging without saying it, this generation fight uh, for equality or for, or leadership is over. They're not going to do it. Um, and it's okay. They even made mention, you heard Phil Spencer say, you know, we're already working on our next console. I think that's a big thing to say. 
Um, that's, that's not so much of a coded message as one might think. Um, so yes, I think everything you said is true. They just, the games for me weren't there at the Microsoft conference, but the potential for Xbox to get back in the fight in a really meaningful way was there. Mm. And I commend them on that because I would love to see them back in a position of at least a stronger competitive uh, position against Sony. I think that'd be great. Well, we have lots more of E3 this week. Uh, Christian and I will be back uh, with Ben Silverman, our usual uh, E3 wrap-up guest. Uh, next week, uh, we will be here uh, on Monday to talk about all the games that we got hands-on with during the week. So, uh, you know, E3 is just really getting started. It hasn't even officially started yet. So we got lots more coming at you. But it's been so fun talking about the press conferences with you, Scott Johnson. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks, man. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Tell people where they can follow your uh, many, many goings on on the internet. Oh, too many. Um, if they want to find all, in fact, I put every, we did every conference to a live stream. It's all on YouTube. It's all on podcast forum. There's a whole bunch of stuff. If you're looking for more commentary about these conferences, then by gum, I got you covered. Head on over to frogpants.com. There's links to everything there. And for my sort of daily ramblings, check me out over at Scott Johnson on Twitter. Very cool. Christian, uh, E3, man, just getting started. Anything you want to plug? Uh, this week's at least 20 more minutes is, uh, no E3. Uh, I highlight three games that, uh, I think are, some have gotten a little bit of spotlight, but otherwise getting lost in E3. So I, I rave more about Yoku's Island Express, which I have now finished. I talk about Onrush, the new driving game from Codemasters and former MotorStorm devs. And then I talk about uh, Bloodstained, um, Curse of the Moon, which is like the low-res version of the thing for the thing. So I give all those three games some love because I feel like they might be getting lost in the shuffle of, of E3 week. And that comes out uh, Tuesday to patrons, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. And then we'll go out to everybody Friday through the uninformed opinions podcast feed. So you can just find that in your podcast player of choice. And I'm at Jeff Canada on Twitter with two N's and one T. And, uh, I do the slash Filmcast talking about movies and TV shows. You can find that at slash filmcast.com. And I do, we have concerns, a comedy science podcast. You can find that at we have concerns.com. Follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be tweeting lots about uh, my experiences all E3 week. I have a jam-packed schedule of hands-on stuff, so uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for these two special editions. They're some of my most favorite time, uh, some of my most favorite episodes of the year on DLC. So I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll go out on the hype train. But until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Chugga, 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 chugga. Easy. Can't